Welcome to KGXT, Gen X Talks podcast live from Central California. I'm look look do I look uh, like I'm, I'm making ready? sure you know sometimes you know sometimes I put the camera on him he's just I'm not gonna ready. walk over there and whip he's your ass <laughs> if you don't get going right goddamn now he's sitting there going like this on his phone just like I swear to you Christ it? why'd you start it turn like, on the fucking camera <laughs> goddamn redneck hippie hillbilly kid of mine hey welcome to the KGXT radio and KGXT studios broadcasting 200 feet below occupied California in the Central Valley you have reached us it's another interview now if you're looking for the podcast where my wife kicks the shit out of me. Um, for an hour, you're going to have to wait. This is one of the interviews. This is one of the more fun things to do. I don't have to sit here and get tortured. And today, we have a very special guest. We've been talking about it for a while. It's Scott Robertson. It's Scotty. And he is part of the Loomis Cigar Cartel. He does a, um, it's a podcast. He does a really good podcast called Beyond the Humidor. He's from up north. He also lives under the umbrella of Gavin Newsom, like we all do. And we all pay homage to Gavin Newsom because we love him so much. Everything he does is right. He's the golden boy of California. Let's not forget that. Got to put in that two cents. That way I don't get censored by anybody and the black helicopters don't show up. All right. So let's bring, uh, let's bring Scotty on. There. Look at that. My man. Hey. He made it. Now, I know. We got to start with the drink, baby. Yes, we do. I can't let you get it. <clears throat> For those of you tuning in, it's uh, 10 o'clock at night, so it's appropriate yeah. drinking time. It's not 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> on a Wednesday. <laughs> it's to you, brother. Thanks All for right. showing up. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Mm. So we heard you heard tell about the studio. Oh, man. And now you're here. Yeah. Man, this is amazing. Before we begin, though, I yeah. have a present for you. You do? Yes. This is from the Placencia House. It is called the Etafal, which is Arabic for celebration. Cigar that was made specifically for the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Really? They only made 5,000 boxes of this, and it's boxes of 10, and the U.S. got 2,500 of them. I got box number 3247, and this is from that lot. We will My be smoking man. this. My man, I don't know that we can smoke in here because we haven't made those rules up yet about getting the smell out of here when we have yeah. other guests and like my wife. But we got a fire pit outside with some chairs around. Oh, it. we're doing it, man. It's going to go nice. Oh, yeah. You're going to love oh. that. You're going to love the wood pile, man. You stop <laughs> about that wood pile. This kid, I no, tell okay, you. Wait. Seriously, the other day, All he's, right. going, he's going down to uh, I had to go to Fontana. And I'm a home alone. He gives me this huge list to do. Well, you know, as usual, I'm okay with that. I'm chores. Done. Yeah, chores, you know, whatever. <laughs> he, we had a huge pile of one-by-ones because we redid our pergola. All right. And I Now, chopped. hold on. The, the kid took 13-foot strips of one-by-one. Yeah. They were 13 yeah. feet long. Cut them down to about a piece each. So he had 700 of them. He threw them in a pile like he was blind. Just threw them in a fucking pile. <laughs> it's just a wood pile. It's just a big pile of one-by-ones. It bothered me. Pit. It didn't look right. It didn't look organized. What wood pile looks right? What, what makes a wood pile look so right? There has to be order to it. <laughs> a little bit. There's got to be something. So there, yesterday, there was order. They're all in one spot. That was <laughs> 
So I told him yesterday while I was gone, I said, you fucking get this, this squared away and make sure this shit is right. And so he calls me, he goes, you really want me to stack all these one by, there's 700 of them. Yes, 800 one by ones, move them five feet to the left. Because I didn't want you to put them, knowing you, you'd have stacked them right behind the fire pit where they could get caught on fire. So yes, I gave you some additional instructions. Big what, deal. That, isn't that one of the reasons why you wanted like a deep fire pit too, so less things would catch on fire because the trees well, are sure. above it. They're, listen, I'm trying to do anything I can to not let you fuck up my backyard. Believe me, yes, I am. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this reminds me, a buddy of mine. He's former Air Force, and he tells me the story of when people fuck up, they get to spend a day out on the tarmac. So how it work? <laughs> would work be, how it would work is. You go for disciplinary training, whatever they called it. There are these footprints, just like they are in the core over at the um, recruitment depots over at Paris Island and San Diego. They have just like one set of footprints. You stand on those footprints and it could be cold, hot or whatever. And you just stand there. Don't know how long you're going to stand there. And then you get what they call swarmed. Three instructors just start screaming at you. That's not the part that reminds me of what you guys were talking about. It's the part where oh, I they thought say, you were going to associate me with three <laughs> drill instructors. No, no, no. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> no, no. There's the part where they get through yelling at you, and then they tell you to move one pile of rocks over to one location to another location. So you do that. You get done. Someone comes walking down and looks at you and says. What the fuck are those? Why are those here? Move those motherfuckers back to where you found them. <laughs> then you do that. Then you're doing it one at a time. Someone walks up to you and says, what the fuck are you doing, Mr. Rock? You're looking like, uh, I don't know. Mr. Rock doesn't go any fucking place without Mrs. Rock. You find <laughs> Mrs. Rock, goddammit. That's not Mrs. Rock. What are you trying to do? Get Mr. Rock in trouble? <laughs> Have you seen the movie The Last Castle with Robert Redford? Yes. You remember the scene when he had to pick up and move the whole wall one rock at a time? Yes. He calls me yesterday halfway through this show. He's like, he goes, all right. He goes, I don't remember Robert Redford's name in the movie The Last Castle, but that's me. I'm moving these goddamn pieces of wood across the yard one at a time. You know what? Just like him in the movie for no reason. There is no reason to be doing this, Dad. I hung up. I'm like, shut the fuck up and do what you're told. Goddamn kids. Yeah, but remember who the CO was? It was James Gandolfini. You yeah. can just go Tony Soprano on his I ass. I could have done it, yeah. I could have just come out there and started screaming at him. Until, I know you know what the fuck you're doing. I do. Oh, so let's get back to Scotty. Let's not get right. sidetracked on my idiot kid here. Now, where did you grow up? Didn't you grow up in Southern California? I did. I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. The first week of my life, and this is no exaggeration, my a clothes drawer was my bassinet. Really? <laughs> yeah. Now, I was the youngest of the two of us, but at the time, my folks didn't have a bassinet. I had to wait till my pops got paid to... or beg, you know, borrow or steal a bassinet. So yeah. my mother always makes the joke. It's like, oh yeah, we got a little drawer. We put blankets in it and plopped you right in it. I said, did you ever close me in the drawer? <laughs> <laughs> well, only, you know, only for security purposes to keep you safe. You know, yes. you do that. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in South Central Los Angeles. I left South Central when I was about 11, 12, moved to Oxnard, California over on the Gold Coast. And I spent, yeah, spent the eighties there. And you went to college out there, there too, didn't you? Yeah, was... for a short time I went to UC Santa Barbara. Wow. Then dropped out and then dropped back in in Orange County over in Irvine. Irvine. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. 
did a little homework on you. Okay. I also know that you've lived in the greater Sacramento area. I looked up some of the addresses. I'm like, this fucker got evicted a lot of times because <laughs> it, you know, it yeah. shows you move. So, oh yeah, I, I use hop, the term hop, evicted because I can. I don't yeah. know any better. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been bouncing around up there for a little bit now too. Oh yeah, most definitely. Well. Let me ask you something, and it will get to the cigar. The whole point of you being here is mm-hmm. you are the cigar expert, the aficionado. You've, this is what you do. This is a real mm-hmm. huge passion of yours, which is why you also have the the podcast, Beyond the Humidor. Yeah. Um, when did you first start getting into cigars, man? Because that's not – cigars is an acquired taste. It not, truly is. Not everybody likes smoking a cigar. Right. So when did that happen for you? So – when I got to UC Santa Barbara, I got roomed up with a cat, Paul Crabtree, great buddy of mine. And then we kind of lost touch a little bit. And then when I was in Fairfield, his folks lived in Vacaville, and he was applying to go to LAPD. So he asked a favor of me and said, hey, can you write me a letter of recommendation for LAPD? Which I did. And I guess he heard from somewhere the letter I sent him. He said, man, that was a beautiful letter. Wait, wait, wait. What quali- qualifies you? To write a letter to the LAPD. Because I knew him in college. <laughs> that's it. Just yeah, that's it. He needed like a reference. So you were just a, a, a generic character reference. Pretty much, yeah. And you were the coolest cat he knew? Good God. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. You did yeah. it. You did good. So he was real appreciative of it. And he's like, hey, you know what? We're going to celebrate. And this is when you could smoke pretty much wherever you wanted. This is like 90, right before my second daughter was Back born. Back when they had ashtrays built into the door handles of cars. Door yeah. panels had ashtrays in them. <laughs> yeah. So we went to Starbucks of all places. Got a little frothy, chocolatey, whipped creamy coffee drink. He breaks out a cigar. I ain't scared. Why not? (laughs) Cut, lit, and I'm sitting there. We're sitting there talking, just shooting the shit about old times, about the times we got drunk in college, the time when I tried to save my drunken friend from Ivy Foot Patrol, a.k.a. Santa Barbara (laughs) County Sheriff's Department. Ivy Foot Patrol? That's what they called them. It was like... That's what they called them? That's what you called them? No, that's what they called them. All right. They They had a post in Isla Vista right next door to the college, and it was... Isla Vista Foot Patrol, but it's the, it's a sec, substation of the Sam, Santa Barbara County Sheriff. So no cars? Oh, there were cars, all right. Okay. So <laughs> Friday night, we go to someone's house and just get completely shit-faced. Yeah. And one of our floor buddies, he's getting questioned by the cops across the street. My drunk ass is like, hey, man, is that BJ? BJ's in trouble. He's in danger. <laughs> we gotta go help BJ. You gotta do something. Yeah, man, we gotta do something. We can't let him. And they're like, no, they grabbed me, dragged me back to the dorm and said, oh, no, we're not going Scott to jail tonight. Drunk going, this injustice will not stand, man. <laughs> and he was a white guy. I was trying to save the white guy. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> that's something you don't see every day. I tell you. <laughs> So, <laughs> so anyway, so you wrote the letter, you got, yeah. he got his deal and we sat back, smoked cigars and talked. And I was like, Hey, I kind of like this. And by that time it was just kind of like an occasional thing. I'd be yeah. in a mall somewhere. It's like, Hey, the tender box, they have cigars. I liked it the last time. So I grab a couple and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm not making this a habit. It's probably not the greatest habit to have. So I'm just going to pick up one or two and hold on to those. And they last for about a month or two. I wonder if you could, I wonder if there's a term for like you say when you're an alcoholic, 
an alcoholic can say, I just drink occasionally and uh, this won't become a habit. And uh, I just, you know, I can quit whenever I want. But that's an alcoholic. <laughs> what do they call it when you do that with cigars? That's a powerful question. They need to have a word for that. We do. <laughs> man, you're an idea, man. <laughs> so I'm sitting here and then in about, let's see, right before my first divorce, I started smoking more. And then... <laughs> Then no, I get no correlation, of no course. Correlation. <laughs> then I get divorced and have my own apartment. And I thought to myself, okay, I've got my furniture. I need a cigar box. That's what I'm calling it. I need, I need something to store some cigars. I need a cigar box. So I went to this little place over in downtown Sacramento off of 16th and V. At the time, it was Casillas Cigars. Old guy was rolling them. Tradition, you know, traditional kind of Cubanish cigar place. You know, Poppy, he's rolling them. Yeah. His wife is standing watch. You buy, you know, about maybe five or ten from him. He rings them up, and when his wife's not looking, he throws about three more <laughs> into the bag. And then I saw this beautiful little wood box, and I was like, I need one of those for my cigars. So I bought a, about maybe twenty or thirty cigars. Got my humidor. I've got it on my coffee table, and it's like. I, I now, don't have a wife. I can I can smoke. I can do what I, I want. want. Yeah. Hey, how old were you at this time? Would you say I was? Let's see. That was 2002. So I would have been about 32. Okay. I want to point something out. This is just yeah. a dumb mechanic in the middle of the desert observation. Right. But you notice in that story, ladies and gentlemen, he said, "All right, I was divorced and I had my furniture. I needed to get some cigars." He didn't talk about food. <laughs> he didn't talk about something to drink. He didn't talk about getting some new clothes. He didn't talk about changing the oil in his vehicle so he'd get to work the next day. He says, all right, I got a place to sit. I need a cigar. That's all. That's what I took away from the story. Just just so you know. You understand all that other stuff was taken care of. Oh, okay. It wasn't like well, I was buck know. naked going, hey, I need some cigars. Well, you just said, I got, you made, you took time to make mention of the furniture. Yeah. I was you, setting up the apartment. Well, Everything was just flowing you along. You didn't say, with my life in order, I went to get cigars. You said, I got furniture. Where's my stogies? That's all you said. Now you got me there. You got me. <laughs> so yeah, that's when I started like really smoking cigars. You know what the hard part to understand? I was this is a question I legitimately wanted to ask you is okay. that um Boy, I'm gonna how do you say this without fucking up how you, how do you get someone hooked on cigars? That's not what I'm trying to say. That is not the message. But when you introduce someone to a cigar, mm -hmm. You, I've learned you got to be careful because you can give them something that has such a strong bite. They're like, yeah, this is horrible. I don't, th this is what cigars all about. No, 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 no. They don't want that. But, and, and that goes for giving a gift too. You yes. know, you'd have to know um, a couple of things is my question is, and I'm fu fucking this up completely. No, no, I, I'm following. How would you, how would you know? what to give someone as a very first cigar. Secondly, how would you know to give someone who smokes cigars as a gift? Mm -hmm. Because expensive doesn't always mean good. Exactly. You know, I found that out the hard way with cigars. Yes. I bought a couple, and I'm like, these are horrible. I just wasted money on these. Yep. So those are two questions. What What's a good, if you're going to give someone a first cigar, where do you, what do you, how do you figure out what you're giving them, and which one would you recommend? And then if it's going to be a gift to a, to a guy who smokes, you want him to try some. What are those two right there, and how would you get to your conclusion? Okay, so two-part questionnaire. The first part, if someone is just starting out in cigars, and you have someone who's an aficionado, which only means that you've smoked one more than one cigar, they are no... I mean, I don't think there's true aficionados. That is some loose terminology. <laughs> people, you know what? People like to pass off this aficionado thing like all of a sudden, I know everything thing is to know about cigars. Yeah. I know the role and the this and the that. 
Some people, like you take my co-host Larry, for instance. Yeah. We've talked about cigar taste. You get these people who are like cigar sommeliers who will sit there and say, well, the Colorado wrapper with the Nicaraguan binder, it has tents of fridge toast. Or it gives me memories of popcorn when my camp counselor molested me. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? So is there a cigar called this one time at band camp? (laughs) Again, idea guy. If you're starting out, anybody yeah. with any, if you smoke cigars for more than five minutes, you know, we are not giving you a Maduro. We're not giving you something dark. We're giving you something which is light Connecticut, something that's just very smooth. And if we've been around for a while, it's like, okay, if you want to start out in cigars, here's where we're going to go. Yeah. Now, I have a couple of stories there. I was over <laughs> at my wife's best friend. She had a new boyfriend. I really like said boyfriend because he likes cigars and drinking and hanging out. As I used to look at her sometimes and say, don't fuck this up for me. <laughs> don't. I, I'm vested in this yes, relationship. I'm, yes. I'm, don't, yes. <laughs> do not I like, fuck this up. I like how your wife's best friend picked a boyfriend similar to you. Yeah. I'm digging that part. It's like, all right, thanks for bringing someone along. This isn't baggage. This is cool. Yes. I love it. <laughs> all right. So... We were sitting back smoking in the backyard. Then another couple came, friends of ours. And (laughs) poor guy, he came to join us. And he says, oh, yeah, I'll take a little bit of whiskey and a cigar. It's like, you sure? Yeah. And it was, you know, he had never smoked cigars before, but he grabbed something that was medium and he's smoking it and he's drinking it. And his wife can tell from the inside of the house that he's just turning green. He just, he's like, oh, Houston, we have a problem. And she kind of sweetly calls him in. It's like, oh, yeah, he's not about this life. I understand. <laughs> but he had drank before, so we weren't you weren't fucking him up with the whiskey too, right? You, no, no, no. He you drank, can't, yeah. I've never drank and I've never smoked a cigar. Let me in. <laughs> yeah, the cigar kind of did him in. Have you ever turned green? You ever got yourself we did that once? I never have actually. Done it one time. And oh. it was only because we were filming something mm-hmm. and in this scene I had to I had to smoke a few times during the scene. Mm-hmm. And we kept doing that scene like 47 times so I smoked a whole cigar in 8 minutes and it, by <laughs> just by the time I got there I was like okay and I I went over his dry heaving for about 3 minutes I'm like okay I know what I knew what did it yeah you know because we were filming and I was I had to do this thing the beginning of the scene was me you know puffing it out the cloud of smoke and then I kind of appear yes yeah try that again all right <laughs> you know so oh. yeah I've only done that once but it was it was uh, on accident and for a cause yeah at our home cigar shop tobacco republic one christmas they had the chisel challenge and there was this cigar called the chisel it was a dark about this long and you had to see it was a contest to see who could smoke it down first so they had four willing victims you're and, just begging for that. Oh, yeah. Basically, the winner, yeah, he got through it in about 35 minutes. And wow. as soon as he did, he went to the bathroom and upchucked like a yeah, motherfucker. Yeah, I don't doubt that it a like, bit. Ooh. It makes me queasy hearing you tell the story. So yeah. let's go back. What was okay. it? What I, what cigar? What The cigar you gave your wife's best friend's new boyfriend, is that what you would recommend now? What would you give a first-time person just to try something? First-time person, again, <clears throat> something light. So... Along the lines of either we have over Tobacco Republic, they have these cigars they sell in bundles, really inexpensive. They're like four bucks a cigar. Yeah. And they're light. Um, Not a lot of flavor, but get you kind of used to it. And usually if I have guests come to my house, I have a drawer full of them. Just in case. And I say, 
Here you yeah. go. You don't get to touch anything else until you finish that cigar. Right. Because what usually happens if I give someone one of my good cigars, even you know the lighter one like an Illusion or a um, Perdomo Ten Year with Ten Year Champagne, which is a lighter one, people will do this number. Oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. And then set it down. And yeah. It's like yeah, they took three puffs of it, and I'm just like, you know, the love of. <laughs> Just like that's when you want to start. But you know what? Give me twenty twenty dollars. You ain't having this lady twenty dollars. You finish it, I'll give you twenty dollars back. Exactly. <laughs> I like that cigar deposit. Cigar deposit. I'm just saying. That, yeah, that was a freaking idea, man. I, I'm coming. <laughs> I'm just man. I should be writing this shit down. <laughs> oh, you got that one for free, America and Denmark. All right. So <laughs> now, now change, change it up one more step up. You know, you know a guy um, mm-hmm. is. Uh, he smokes. He's got cigars. He's had a few. Been doing it for years. What do you give him to say? Hey, this is kind of unique. A little something, a little different. You know what? Do you, I'm not saying you're trying to make an impression, but what do you give a guy as a gift? And there, remember, everybody listening to this is going to be hanging on what you say right now because they yeah. know a person that smokes. They're going to go, okay, whatever he says, I'm going to go get one of those because it's they don't know yeah. what to get. I wouldn't know what to get. Okay, I would say this. If you know the person fairly well, you pretty much know what they smoke. Right. You know if they gravitate towards Perdomo, Rocky Patel, Apostate, um, Illusion, you kind of have an idea. Sure. And in that case, you know, you kind of go with what they're smoking. And if they have like a 10-year anniversary or a 25-year anniversary or something unique out of the line and say, okay, I'm going to get this unique one. Like this one, for instance, if, you know, I'm a fan of Placencia. So, you know, someone gave me this, it would just be like, holy shit, man. Right. But if, so you would say you've, you, if you know someone who smokes, you kind of know what they smoke. Yeah. So you're saying... Give them what they smoke or give them something. Wouldn't you go, give okay. them something unique out of the line? If you could, this is where now, what if I went in? Let's say I knew what you smoke. Mm-hmm. My dumb mechanic in the middle of the desert brain using three dollar words, I'd go into a cigar shop and go, My buddy smokes these. Mm-hmm. Do you got something similar? Because I don't want to give him the same one. Can a, can a cigar guy pick something out? Similar to what he smokes? Yes, a true tobacconist. Here's the thing about tobacconists, and we talk about this on the show. If the tobacconist guides you over to the most expensive cigar, something high-priced, run, because basically they're just trying to take your money. Yeah, they're just selling you something. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, well, here, try this um, Padron. I mean, everyone loves Padron, but those things run between 30 and 60 bucks. You know, you could go with an Atabay, which is like cigar about this big for about 45 bucks. I mean, yeah, you can go all over the map and we won't even talk about Cubans be, being at their now Hong Kong prices. So mm. <clears throat> it's, this is where a good tobacconist, if you say, hey, my friend smokes Rocky Patels and I want to get him something for his birthday, Christmas, whatever. And you look through and say, well, do you know, um, you know, the um, strength of what he smokes? And it's like, well, I'm not quite sure. Okay, well, let's <clears throat> get him in something medium like a Corojo and try this way. It's like, hey, this is a special one and guide you through there. And then, you know, he'll ask, okay, so what's your price point? It's kind of like there. It's kind of like having a, a good mechanic that can walk you through. It's having a good doctor. It's something exactly. that specializes in that area. Guy who knows his wines. Yes. Guy who knows wines that can tell you. So you, what do you call him? What's is it? A title? Tobacconist. You made that up. Nope. That you is, you just nope. made that up on the spot. And a god, tobacconist. Tobacconist. Yes. That's a made up word. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> my son usually chimes in and goes, all words are made up, Dad. Which he's right. That's technically true. All words are made up at some point. So I hate when he does that because when I yell at him for not speaking correct, like, oh, you just made up that fucking word. He goes, oh, they're all made up at some point, Dad. So this may catch on. Might be in Webster's next year. You don't know. Yeah, he's so, not wrong. <laughs> no, he's not wrong. Um, what was I going to tell you about Cubans? I had a story about Cubans. I tried to smuggle two Cubans back in, in my shirt pocket okay. on a cruise ship. I didn't make it. <laughs> what? How, how did you mess this up? I need to hear this. <laughs> uh, we went down to Mexico okay. and it just on a cruise, you do the you know the Ensenada and oh, stuff yeah. like that. The booze cruise. Yeah, and then you you come back and I had picked up a couple of Cubans from this guy mm. and I just stuffed them in my shirt pocket. And my wife was like, "You gonna get away with this? Fuck yeah, I'm gonna get away with this." And because uh, they were in my shirt pocket, and you couldn't see them. Right. It was a deep pocket right here, and okay. it was just stuffed in there. And uh, so you you getting off the boat and you go through the little checkpoint and there like you get twenty five hundred people on the cruise ship and technically you're going through customs but nobody's checking your shit right. you're on a cruise liner you know you're a bunch of middle aged people I was probably thirty three or thirty four at the time but every now and then they would take someone out of line you know just like when you're crossing the border in a car sometimes they take a car over and just check oh yeah they fucking patted me down. He says, what's in your pocket? I said, well, we start with none of your fucking business. He says, well, you know, where's I said, uh, did I already cross the border? Am I not technically in the United States right now? You can pull that shit over there, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm across the border. He's like, what's in your pocket? I said, they're not Cubans. <laughs> he goes, look, if we can make this real easy or you can make this a long, drawn-out process, he goes, just give them to me. And I said... Or he goes, well, the long process is, is you get processed. <laughs> and I went, here, I don't, I don't smoke anyway. Here you go, you can have oh. those. And that was it. They were gone. So I, I got through, and uh, I don't know why they picked me. I'm a likable guy. I didn't. I mean, I, I'm looking pretty normal. I wasn't, you know. I did, yeah. came across, but some motherfucker sat there and said, "That dude right there, get him out. Go ahead and pull him over here." Oh, you're not gonna like this story. Wife and I go to Jamaica. Now this is the second time in one year we've been. The first time. Wife bought some jewelry from this gift shop. They have like a cigar shop, jewelry shop, and the souvenir shop yeah. all in one little place. So put it this way. She bought enough jewelry to the point where the owner said, the next time you come out here, here's my personal phone number. And we friended each other on Facebook. Call me. I will come pick you up from the resort and bring you here. Wow. So, now you've spent some money at the jewelry store. Are you kidding? <laughs> so... <laughs> This is what we affectionately called Operation Cuban Liberation. <laughs> I called up. We got there December of, what was it, 16? I think, yes, yeah, 16 or 17. Give my friend a call. He comes in his BMW, plops us in there. We drive about 35 minutes down the road to the gift shop. Wife goes poking at jewelry. He takes me to the cigar portion. Ooh. Cubans, as far as the eye can see. Real Cubans, by the way. Yeah. And I said, okay, I need this. And, of course, I had a list of a couple. Greg wanted some Lancer some Cohiba Lanceros, a couple other people. So you had a shopping them. list for your friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so by the time I was done, I spent about eighty-five to 9000 in um, cigars. I had so many cigars. I mean, I had boxes then we go over wife brought a little bought a little bit more jewelry then we go over to the other side oh that's a pretty cuban rum bottle and a jamaican rum bottle we need this too we had so much shit it's like we need another bag so we bought a suitcase from them 
Well, you know, I hope you got a suitcase that had a big sticker that said contraband right on it. It That's should have. <laughs> so when we're ready to leave, we put all this in this motherfucker. We get over to um, Jamaica and I'm over at duty free. And I said, oh, shit, I forgot to buy a couple small bottles of rum for some, a couple of friends of mine at work. So I go ahead and do that. Then there's a cigar place in the freaking um, duty free. Yeah. It's like, okay. For cigar people out there, they know this. Particus Series D number four. Oh, yeah, I got to have my box of those. So get onto the plane. I get to the port of entry in Atlanta. Get the luggage. Push it through. We go to the big guy with the machine gun and the badge. And on the declaration on the way to Atlanta, it's like, what do you have? Of course, we're smart enough to wear the jewelry that we purchased. Souvenirs and trinkets. The end. Give Souvenirs and trinkets. Okay. Yeah. So a guy looks out. I had the box with me. I had that one box I bought from Duty Free. He says, oh, what do you have there? I said, oh, it's got a box of cigars. He's like, oh, okay. Marches me through. Check the contraband in through. Then I have the two bottles of liquor with me because I, for some dumb reason, I didn't put them in the check baggage. I go through x-ray. And these are just two little bottles of rum. You had them in your pockets or something? No, they were just in a bag. Okay, now, all right. when you travel abroad and you do duty-free, they usually, what they do is they'll put it in a tamper-proof seal so you can't open it, yeah. and it has the tag on it. This did not. For some reason, they didn't do that. I don't know if they expected me to drink it in the airport. I don't know. Maybe somebody new was working the counter that day. Who exactly. knows? All right. So the person says, oh, well, we can't let you through with these. It's like, I bought them in Mobe. And he's like, yeah, but they didn't put it in a tamper-proof seal. So unfortunately, if you can go back and check it in your, your bags, that's fine. But you can't bring it through. I was pissed off for 20 minutes until my wife reminded me, do you know how much shit you you're just gonna, got into the gonna, country? <laughs> you're going to fuck up the whole gig over two bottles. Yeah. And I just thought to myself, did a Tony Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> Cost of doing business. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I got into the country with probably $10,000 of contraband and I'm bitching about two bottles. Um, did you hear that copy? Did you get that? Black helicopters on their way? No, no. Come down. No, statues of limitations is not wore out. No, I got him right here in the studio. Yeah, he ain't going nowhere. You don't have the evidence though. <laughs> You admitted it on tape. It doesn't matter. I could just be telling a funny story. <laughs> you, you could be <laughs> tongue in cheek. Yes. I got a, it's, it's a, did I ever tell you the, I've told this on the air a couple times. I told the story three times. i tell you what happened when we were in uh, Mexico with the Black Pearl. No. You know, Black Pearl from Pirates of the Caribbean, mm -hmm. the, the, the ship they had, I guess, Someone told me they made six of them. They built six black pearls, and they, you know, use them for different things. Mm -hmm. And um, we got down to Mexico, and there was, we, you know, the big cruise ship docks. And there's a private marina, a pretty new at the time, private marina. Okay. Um, off to one side, you know, poor people over here, private marina, rich people stuff over here. Oh, yeah. And the black pearl was there. I mean, everyone saw it. Everyone getting off the wall like, oh my God, it's a black pearl. It's huge. And uh, but the problem was was that this whole this whole marina had one walkway that went to it, mm -hmm. and the at the beginning of the walkway was a guard shack. And there was dudes in there. So you you know, you had two thousand people leave the cruise liner and walk down this road okay. into town. And as you're walking down this road, you're passing a guard shack and a path that went to the marina. Okay. So Everyone tried to go, and there was like five guards in there. There's one old, crusty guy, and then there was some other. And they weren't letting anybody. Like, no, 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 private marina, and they barely right. spoke any English, but no, 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 no. 
So we get there, and like I'm, I want to say seven or eight hundred people had got tried this before us. And my wife says, "Well, you can't. You know, you're not going to get down." I said, "Well, let me go talk to these guys for a minute." Yeah. So I sit, and I'm not angry. I'm just bullshitting with them. And finally, not the not the super old guy, the senior guy that was had his feet up on the counter and his hat down. Uh, one of the, uh, the more senior guys, still a young guy, he said, "Harbor master." And I said, well, he says, the harbor master is right over there. You go see the harbor master. He says, okay, you can go. Because I just kept talking and talking and talking. He's like, okay, just go check with the harbor master. <laughs> so I walked down there, and you get to the end of this path, and now here's the whole marina. The Black Pearl is to my left, mm-hmm. quite a ways. To my right is the harbor master's building. It's clearly marked. Right. So I walk over to it with my wife, and I'm rattling. The doors are locked, two glass doors, and there's, yeah. you can't get in. There's nobody. I'm banging on the door. So... I come back from the harbor master, and I'm walking down, and I should turn left and go back down to the guard shack. Right. I keep walking right past it towards the Black Pearl. Okay. And the dudes in the guard shack all come out, and they're looking, because this, this pathway is probably, I don't know, 75 yards. Yeah. So I'm waving, going, it's all right. It's good. They say we're good. We're, we're fine. It's okay. We can just go. We're, we're, I check with them. I'm giving them all the motions and go, no, 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 yeah. we're fine. I keep walking. <laughs> so we get up to, and I walk around so I can get right to the Black Pearl. I got pictures of me there. I'm touching the thing. I'm having the time of my life. Now, about 100 yards past the marina is a big chain link fence where a thousand people from the boat were taking pictures through the fence because that's as close as they could get. Right. Now they're taking pictures, a thousand people taking pictures of me in front of the boat, and I'm living it up. (laughs) All of a sudden, sirens start blaring. There's the red light starts going off on the harbor master thing, and my wife is in panic mode. Oh, shit. Because they're running from that guard shack now. There's a dude way down here coming on a little ATV, tearing through the dirt, and I'm just sitting here taking pictures, and my wife is clutching my arm going, oh, my God, you know, they caught you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> relax, it's going to be fine. So they swarm us, and they are fucking pissed. Oh. But they're all only this tall. So yeah, so <laughs> I'm happy to do to me. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? And so I said, I, and I told my wife, I said, I've been waiting to say this for years and growing up in L.A. Yeah. I said, no habla espanol, dudes. I don't know what the hell you're screaming about. I can't understand you at all. <laughs> so they they start dragging us back to the harp, to the, I'm sorry, yeah. to the card check. And she goes, you're going to call my dad and let him know I'm in a Mexican jail. You're calling him. I'm not calling him. I said, it's going to be fine. Relax. And she goes, maybe it's going to be fine. Do you know what they're going to do to me in that Mexican jail? I go, nothing you haven't done before. Big deal. She lost her fucking mind when I said that. She, absolutely every every word that a sailor could say came out of her <gasps> oh. mouth. And she was thinking, I'm divorcing you the minute I find an attorney. I'm done. Um, so we're, they're dragging us back. And I said, give me your ID. So I take my ID out of my wallet. And... Um, I take hers and I folded up a $20 bill and put it between the two and get up there. And now the old guy got out of his chair and straightened his hat and straightened his belt. And he goes, identification. So I hand it to him like this. And he looks at it, looks at hers, looks at mine, takes a $20 bill, stuffs it in his pocket, keeps looking. He goes, all right, you can go. (laughs) So we go to leave and she starts sprinting towards the boat. I grabbed her. I go, don't run. Just walk. And she goes, okay, first of all, what just happened? I go, do you think this guy wants to even write a report because we were looking at a boat? Right. He didn't care. He didn't give a shit at all. I wasn't stealing nothing. He's just like, this $20 more than that guy makes in four days. 
And and he just all he had to do was go and twenty dollars get out of here. You ain't yeah. this stupid American. She goes, but the cops were coming because you could hear sirens. She goes, the cops were coming. Well, that would have been a hundred dollar bill. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she's absolutely still in tears. We get back to the boat and, and we get back to the ship and she and and everyone's now gathered around because everybody saw. Mm-hmm. Everybody came and said, oh, my God, what happened? Now she's got this attitude. Well, you know, my husband had it under control the whole time. Huh? <laughs> I wasn't worried at all. You know, you know, my husband says he got something figured out. There's five of them, but you ever see my, my old man in a scrap? These, these little bitty kids here. <laughs> I mean, she just was going off like, I'm like, you know, five minutes ago, you were screaming, call my daddy. <laughs> right. Now it's my hero. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, so, and she had the voice of confidence on there, so that was... Uh, same, that it. was the same trip with the cigars, but yeah, she hadn't left the country with me again. <laughs> yeah, my wife looked at me when we were pushing this contraband through. It's like, well, what if they said the worst that's going to happen is if they, they're going to take it or make me pay duty for it. But yeah. they care about dope and guns. They don't care about my stupid cigars. No. You just walk they'll, through they'll make their money on it, but that's it. They don't, you know. Yeah. It's not it's not cocaine. Who gives a shit? Exactly. Hey, so I'm gonna bring up a picture up here. The folks at home can't see, but there's a monitor, a ah. live monitor up there. And uh that's the picture we're gonna run just so you know. I like it. With uh for the for the podcast. But I got a couple pictures here. Um let's see if I can figure this. Okay, so you you have two co hosts on your show. Yes. Beyond the humidor. All right, bring up one. Who is the first picture here? Okay, I, now I was a guest on your show one time. Yes. I want to point out at this moment that other than when you guys were talking about this company, this Placentia, you got one 11-minute video where you and this guy are sitting on the balcony flapping your gums. Other than that one, the one that I was on is your second highest rated video by views. Yes. I, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just pointing no. out some obvious. You know, you're the you man. Know. I'm, I, I will, I'll be the first to tell you, you were the man. It was like, I, you did not disappoint. I knew that would happen. I was just like, <laughs> well, thank oh, you. It was a lot yeah. of fun, but yes. I got to just, you got to, <clears throat> you know, I'm trying to raise my credit, my street cred right now. Hell yeah. Why so wouldn't who, you? Who is this guy? Okay. Greg Perry, buddy yeah. of mine. I like to call him my green grocer. He works for <laughs> a um, supermarket <laughs> as a bookkeeper. I can't name which one, but I um, mean, we met at the shop actually we met at tobacco republic and you know we started hanging out together and when we first formed the luma cigar cartel we were in vegas for cigar aficionados big smoke every year they do a big smoke in about four or five different cities um this one in particular was las vegas so what we did we had a group of us go down there and we got these shirts custom. Larry owns Paradise Signs over in right. Newcastle. And he made some t-shirts, um, not t-shirts, um, some um, cigar shirts for us. So we were all matching, of course. Right. And we're going through it and talking to folks. And this is thanks to one of the cigar guys, one of the manufacturers, Oscar Valadares. Yeah. He came up to us. We were sitting back at a table. He said, dude, I love those shirts. We got to get a picture together. Is that the one that's in the picture right now? That was oh the picture that was up there. Oh no 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 no! Not that shirt. Not that shirt. Okay, because that's a cool looking shirt too. Yeah, that's just one I happened to buy online, and then we had um, Larry's embroidery embroider okay that right. on there. But um, Oscar, he owns um, Oscar Valadares, um, and he was like, "You guys got to do something with this." Now, Greg, in his wisdom, <laughs> he drove from. 
let's just say Sacramento because <laughs> no one's going to know where the hell Orangevale is. <laughs> um, he drove from Sacramento to Vegas with oh, a couple look of who friends came of ours. In. Look at she's coming in with a bigger glass and she's going to pour some more hooch. Now that is an awesome wife. She ain't letting us go thirsty. There you go. Come on now, give give Daddy some hooch. <laughs> I can't. You keep raising the glass, and I keep. I keep. You raise your glass, and I keep going. Oh, mine's empty. All right. <laughs> let me let her pour, and then you can finish your story. Okie dokie. So, you ain't got nothing wrong with a woman pouring you a drink, do you? I absolutely do. All not. right, then. That's thank, what I'm trying to thank, say. Thank you. So okay. He drives back. One of um our buddies, Lewis. We were in an Uber because we were waiting for our plane because we had cents. Yeah. <laughs> and we were talking about the shirts and said, dude, we got to do something with this. We can let this die or we can do something. It's like, so we formed the Loomis Cigar Cartel and we got the three of us, Greg, Lewis, and I, we got together and we were talking about how it was going to work. First, it was just going to be a club. Then we started going through bylaws and all that shit. And it's like, I, I don't want to deal with a club. I've been a part of clubs before. Yeah, this is going to be a pain in my ass. There's a lot of there's a lot of bylaw rules you got to go by by how often you meet, mm-hmm. what you write down for minutes and keeping records. Like Jesus Christ, man, I just want to hang out with my friends. Yeah, it's yeah. like I've got a job already. <laughs> so then we came up with let's do a podcast. So we started just checking out some podcasts on YouTube, and one of the things we found that I am not dogging any podcast out there. Yeah. Hey, you do what you do, go with God. Yeah, you know, groovy. But a lot of some of the podcasts I watched and listened to, they were all, not all, I shouldn't say that. Some were just talking above your head. It was that same thing. It's like, well, you know, the taste of the cigar, it reminds you of. So you went and looked at cigar podcasts. Yes. Okay. And they sit there and it was like, some were just kind of like trying to sound Overly knowledgeable is intimidating yeah. almost. It's like if you're a new cigar smoker, you'll like sit okay, there and be for like, a guy like me, I would not watch a podcast like that because yeah, I wouldn't get the context of the references. Mm-hmm. But I'd watch yours because I get it. I get what you guys you bring it down to street level when you talk about stuff and you joke about all sorts of things. You guys yes. talk about each other, so it it bl- your podcast blends in. Somebody who is either either knows nothing about cigars mm-hmm. or is 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 mildly attracted to cigars and trying to figure stuff out, and you keep the interest the whole time. Yes, it's where it works perfectly. I wish more people would give your podcast a chance because, like you, I've observed a ton of them, mm-hmm. and some of this, like, how do these guys get ten thousand people watching this? This is the most stupid shit I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, then guys like you and me are struggling to get listeners. Right. And those fuckers are like, how do you fucking do that? Do you? And then I'll watch a podcast to give it a new a new shot at something. Yeah. And so I'm watching, this, I'm watching two minutes in, three minutes in going, I'm changing the channel. This yeah. fucker's stupid. And he goes, today's show is sponsored by... How the fuck did you get a sponsor? Yeah. Who sponsored your shit? You're, you're talking out your ass. You don't know what you're doing. And you're boring and you're ugly. I mean, I know not everybody can have a beard like this. I'm not saying they can. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you got a sponsor? <laughs> this is to all the assholes that are getting sponsored. You and I ain't getting shit. Amen. Fuck those guys. <laughs> there was one particular podcast, and I'm not going to name names. I was on YouTube. The dudes look like the Menendez brothers sitting by a fucking pool. And I'm like, they just fucking off their mom and dad. (laughs) 
I just fucking know it. Hold on. For everyone who doesn't know who the Menendez brothers are, leave this live stream. Leave this podcast. Don't hang out. You're in the, yeah. you, you tuned into the wrong place, okay? You're too young. We ain't stopping while you go Google who the Menendez brothers. Now, everybody who does know, that was a funny reference. For all of us of this age group, all Generation X, that was some funny shit. All the rest of you, they're scratching your heads and I know what's going on. Just leave. Exit stage left. Go now. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go off topic real quick or I'm going to do a tangent here. Did you know that down in Southern California, the DA was complaining about how much the trial was? So two radio DJs, two talk radio DJs, they did a sale called Fry, the Fry the Menendai sale. <laughs> What? Wait a second. It's a garage sale, basically, where you take something over to their location and you can sell it, and the money was going to go to the district attorney to help them fry them and then his brothers. Okay, that's where I was going with this. I was going to say, what is the point of uh, if the district attorney says it's costing too much, how do you fix that? You can't right you raise taxes on people? I didn't know where you were going with that, but I get yeah. it now. I had no idea that was a thing, and I was down there then. Yeah. Wow. I laughed my ass off. I will off. say I did not participate in that. I did not either. <laughs> I'm like, you guys get enough money from me, although I was in Orange County, so you probably didn't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, you probably bought gas in LA. It's yeah, a gas tax here, so you're okay. Yeah. So let me get up another picture up here. We, okay. we talked about the first guy you said was Greg. Yeah, that's Greg. All right. Now, let me put up the, the cool cat in here, the other guy. There's another guy I want to show you in here. I got this picture. I tried to keep him as nice as I could. Yeah. All okay. right. That crazy fool right there, <laughs> your spirit animal, my He's spirit funny. animal. He's funny. That is Larry Marlott. He's the owner of Paradise Signs and Graphics over in Newcastle. And when we revamped the show around episode 21, 22, Greg and I were on it, and we wanted Larry to come on to it because he was there at the beginning inception as well. And we kind of broke it off just because it was kind of like too many personalities, and it was getting to a point where we were worried about it was going to affect friendships. Yeah. So um, we decided to walk away for a while, and then Greg came back to me and just said, I want to start it up again. Again, and he's you know wait so your podcast you didn't you 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 changed it up he wasn't on there for a while or something well he was on there occasionally because he's okay. running a business so he was occasionally on the show but if you listen to the earlier renditions we had probably five six people on at one time and it See, was I just didn't know that over, we were just talking over each other we were in our infancy right and you know we were struggling to get through you know some you know we all had big personalities trying to work things through and it got to a point where it wasn't fun anymore so we got to it was around covid and we walked away from it for a few months greg brought it back other people went their way they did other projects and greg brought me back and asked if i would come back and do it and i was like i'll do it but i've got some conditions as far as how's it going to be and i'm not talking about i want my mineral water right. and shit i was yeah. just like I want this to be fun again. Right. I want it to be kicked back, relaxed. When it stops being fun, I walk away. I already have a job. Yep. So we did just that, and it started you know, flowing pretty smoothly. It's like, we got to get Larry back. So I talked to Larry, and Greg talked to Larry, and it's just like, because he tells some of the craziest-ass stories. He, I'm telling you, you know, I each of you has your own personality on the yes. show. Each of you has your own role. Mm -hmm. I've kind of, from the podcast that I've listened to, plus the one I was on with you guys as a guest, you kind of figure out real quick, you know, who's, you know, you 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 take a lot of the dry humor. You're the straight guy on a lot of it. Yeah. On a lot of it, you are. And Larry, the one who just, he rolls around with stuff all the time. Oh, yeah. And the other dude, the bald-headed white guy on the end, <laughs> who I'm going to call your token, your token white guy, he doesn't contribute as much, but when he does, it's usually he's got a strong point he's trying to oh, talk yeah. about. 
and he gets right to it. Yes. So there's there's a balance there, you know. Yeah. And I thought for sure. I thought. Let me wait. I want to show you another picture. Bring okay. up that one of them at their at their at their microphones. Okay. So this is <laughs> I every every scene of you guys is like this. Yeah. Now. I remember being on your show going, are you guys in a 1932 garage? <laughs> this looks like an old service station with the, from the 30s. That's what it looked like. I never even noticed you put up a whiteboard over there. You're obviously hiding something over there. God, that... Think that's just stuff for signs to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's in Larry's sign Why shop. Why don't you move it so the background looks uniform? I thought for sure they would not put up a big white chunk of something there for no reason in the background. It's got to be hiding something. This is a poster or something you don't want to. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> Originally, we were doing it at Tobacco Republic, and then they did a remodel, and they basically switched the rooms because it was two rooms. One was the humidor, the other was the lounge. So they flipped them in order to get more space. So where the lounge now the acoustics are kind of off so everything just bounces because oh. they need to put more stuff in the room and right. then the furniture is not conducive to it at this point so we were like okay well while they were remodeling we moved it over to Larry's shop okay so I'll put that picture mm -hmm. back up kid let's show that again I want to show you that so the other thing I noticed is when you wear your dark glasses you remind me of Shaft <laughs> You one cold motherfucker with that. When you wear your other glasses, uh -huh. you like you look like like Jan John Sally from from basketball. You look, you have two different personalities by the Man. glasses you wear. I'm telling you, just look. I'm I'm a dumb mechanic in the middle of the desert, and I'm just telling you. And then in most of them, you're wearing the dark glasses now. I thought when I first saw you, and, and not in person, when I first saw the, right. I was checking out your shit and looking at your stuff. And I thought, you know, that motherfucker puts himself in the center and he's higher than everybody else. That's going to be an ego thing. I didn't realize you're just a big dude. Yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like six foot nine. I went, okay, never mind. That's why when I first met you, we went to that yeah. restaurant. I was like, okay, I'm going to take back everything I said. Right. Ain't none of it right. Not even a little bit. And um, and Larry is always sulking down in that chair. like He, oh, yeah. he, he looks like he shows up drunk. <laughs> he, he sunk in the chair, halfway down the chair, and he's like this, and he looks up at you, and he he's spot on. But he looks like he's been drinking for four or five hours as he's slipping down that chair. And the dude on the other side, Greg, is always alert. Yeah. And he's always just, he knows what's going on. He's like, what do you guys say? What are you doing? And so the dynamic you guys got is so great. Thanks. I, I wish there was a way to get more people to check out your stuff, especially cigar people that want a casual conversation. They're not looking for that intricate, you know, well, these leaves are, are heat pressed and wrapped 35 times in a left-handed direction south of the equator. None of that shit. No, you know, just no, talk no. about what it is. That's yeah. so. Ah. That's what we have fun with. Larry, he's fresh off work when we start recording. He's just like, he's just sitting there like, yeah, he, he's. <laughs> Why am I here? Yeah. <laughs> Pour me a drink and shut up. <laughs> then he well, has his son across the way giving him shit. <laughs> okay, who's who's the guy who fucked up the recording that day? No. I fucked that up. That oh, you was did. my fault. Yeah. Well, I still want to know who to blame. Yeah. No, no, no. It's me. No, no. I've said that a million times. I even said it on YouTube. I said, no, no. This is on me. I fucked that up. The gorilla got the audio right. Oh, we also, and you don't have a picture of gorilla yet. We plan to get gorilla cam. Yeah. I don't know who that is. That is Larry's oldest son, Anthony. And... He came aboard probably about 15 or so episodes ago because he was watching it and he said, you know what? 
I can relieve you guys of a lot of the pressure you're on because Greg was running the board and the camera. So he's like not contributing quite as much. And then Anthony was like, hey, you know what? Let me kind of take this off. I'll sit over here and I can control everything from here. So we first gave him the designator camera monkey. (laughs) But then after about three episodes, it's like, you're a badass. You've been promoted to gorilla. Right on. You well, are. I, I'm glad you promote from within because yes. so many places don't. Absolutely, you get a little gratitude there. Now he ain't getting no more pay. No, no, but no. the the you know the the status is what's important around yeah. here. He's got to talk to his union representative, which is his father. <laughs> <laughs> his father's like, you can go fuck straight off. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. It's, it's, we talk to our kids the same way. Oh, um, yeah. My kid, it, it, my kid, he has his technical knowledge mm-hmm. is incredible in what he can do. Yeah. Uh, but getting him to do it <laughs> is an entirely another thing. It's like, well, what you do is this, 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 and you got to rotate this and switch this and drag this and cut that. Okay, so can you do that? Yeah, I guess I can try to do that. <laughs> then he regrets telling me. Now he's like, no, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> he just come clean and say, no, nope, can't do it. And I don't know what's going the on. They have a nice day. Grabs his hat and his coat, and he's out the goddamn door. So, <laughs> You know, the worst The worst is when I'm gone. Because then he calls me. So how, do, how did I do that thing you were talking about? So I have to, like, walk him through step by step how to go through it. And he's like, it's not working. I was like, did you do this? He's like, you didn't tell me to do that. I'm like, I literally told you to do that. That was like the first step. I like the ones where I'm getting, I know, I probably know 90% of it, Mm -hmm. but the 10% fucks everything up if you don't get it. You got to know the whole thing. (laughs) Right? So when I come through there and I'll say something like, you know, hey, you told me to do this and do this and I can't find that. He's like, he goes, did you click the right button? It's not, there's no, it's not on the screen. I go, there's no 1A start zero button. I go, where do I click that? He goes, it's the button labeled 1A start zero. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) It's those moments I feel dumb. The other ones, not so much. But like that, yeah, I feel pretty stupid. Yeah, like the social media stuff, I get lost on. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm Gen X. We we started this shit. Yeah. Now it's gotten to the point where it's just like, you got TikTok, you got this. I, I don't feel like learning any more of this crap. Well, there's a, I try to explain, people have asked me about how much time we spend doing social media and for free doesn't doesn't earn you anything but sometimes it increases your viewership because of your pages yeah and so i don't know sometime last year we got three years under our belt now of this and sometime last year we sat down my wife and i did and i was putting in a solid seven to eight hours every day Mm -hmm. doing stuff that needed to get done in here um and then we were going live eight or nine times a week Oh. Because we would do some shows we would do in the morning and then one at night. So we doubled up. Yeah. And she was putting in four to five hours a day easy. And this is back when the kid was in school. So he only he could only put in when, when he was home. Um, but, you know, you're not getting a paycheck out of that. You're not making, you know, people, they, oh, you're probably making 20000 a month. Yeah, fuck. And we're not. No, trust you're me. you're not. You know, you do get some residuals from Facebook. You do yeah. get some from YouTube. And really what you have to do. Um, what I have to do, we have to do here at Gen X Talks is we have 30 revenue sources that all make 10 bucks, you know, you know, because you, you get a yeah. little bit from your podcast, you get a little bit from over here and a little bit from over there. You try to then if you're but then it's a lot of work keeping all those up. Oh, absolutely. So the story I got when I try to explain it to people, I said, you know, it's not as easy as you think. And this is coming back to what you and I were just talking about, the technical part. Yeah. When a car was invented. 
the big news was everyone's going to know how to work on a car. Everyone's going to own a car. Everyone's going to understand everything about a car and get because it's so simple. You get it. You can do it. And once everybody's got one, everybody, you know what it did? It generated a bunch of people to know how to put gas in a car and turn a key. Yep. When computers came along, oh, everyone's going to be computer savvy. Everyone's going to understand computers, especially in the beginning when they were breaking all the time. Right. And you know what it did? It made people who knew how to push a button for the power and move a mouse. That's what it did. Well, in social media, everyone says, oh, anybody can do social media because cameras are now built into computers and you point and click and go. Uh it didn't turn out that way. It kind of went It did, went the way of the everything else. There's so much to do to make something work. Like all the gear I got in front of me, this is a stream deck, which yeah. allows me to punch up all the different scenes that we want. Right. This is a camera fader where we've got all the cameras up around here, yeah. and I can switch between cameras and fade them in and out. Mm -hmm. And then over here, I've got all the controls on the mics where I'm watching volumes. Here's my sheets, my notes when people are writing in. Oh, yeah. My wife copies and pastes what they're saying, okay. the important ones, and puts them in here. So I'm constantly oh, going, man. it's not, you know, I, I, it, it, you, you cannot just start a car and now you know about cars. You can't just push exactly. a button on a computer and know a button, a bunch about computers. And you cannot just look into a camera and all of a sudden, you know, everything there is to know about social media. Exactly. It is. It's very com And I don't, I probably know one tenth of what I'm supposed to know. Yeah. I know just enough to do what what I need to do. There is yeah. so much more out there oh, in yeah. social it's media. A big giant world. I remember when my first wife she went, and I don't know why she did this. She decided to adopt a kid. So this little boy now about maybe sixteen, and he calls me dad because she kept her. You know, she kept my last name because the girls had my last name. So when she adopted him, gave him my last name. So he knows me as dad. Yeah. So one day he calls me and I'm like, so what's going on? He said, well, can I ask you something? I said, of course you can. He says, can I come live with you? How old was he at this time? He was 15, 16. Yeah, right about the age. Exactly. Because, you know, it was just, his, you know, his mom and uh, my oldest stays there too. So I'm just like, okay, so let me ask you, why do you want to come live with me? I just want to know. Well, things aren't going well. I'm not doing well in school. And I think I need to change the scenery. I said, well, let me tell you something. Change of scenery is not going to fix things. And you might want to talk to your two sisters about living with dad, because if you think it's going to be easy, the fuck it is. Cause my girls will explain to you. I expect things done. You will do chores. You will go to school. Those are your jobs. Yeah. <clears throat> we asked him. I said, okay. He says, well, only do well in this class and gym. I said, okay. So tell me something, son, what do you want to do with your life? And he tells me, oh, this generation, I want to be a YouTuber. And I was just like, oh, yeah, you just want to pull your hair out and go, that's not a fucking real job, man. Yeah. So I told him, I said, okay, you want to be a YouTuber. Okay. So 
What are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. I say, you don't even know what you want to do as a YouTuber. I'm a YouTuber. I make no money. You know where my money comes from? My job. I got, do this for fun. You got to have a J-O-B. Yeah. <laughs> you got to have a million subscribers. Do you have an idea? He's like, well, no, but I was like, you don't have an idea. You don't have this. You need to go to school. You need to get your lessons on. You don't need to move anywhere. You just need to deal with what you have. Everybody who wants to be everyone talks to us and says, well, how, you know, can we become YouTube famous? And I said, look, do whatever you're doing in life mm -hmm. and do this on the side. Yeah. If it becomes big enough to where you can't do, you know, your job over here and this, then you can think about moving over. Right. But you can't, you don't just jump over here and start and hope that this turns into something. You got to nurture it. You got to work at it for years. And if it turns out to be something great, then you can say, well, I am making some money over here. I'd like to split split my time or, or reduce this time or jump ship. Fine. But you no. never just walk into and say, okay, let's set up this room and I'm going to be YouTube famous tomorrow. No way. And even people, there's kids yeah. that do that. They'll, they'll get a viral video yeah. or they'll start a trend. Fine. Um, the kid has a video on uh, on TikTok. It's got 26 million views, mm. which is a gigantic fucking home run. And I think it made him 200 bucks. How far does I that didn't take? Get paid you? for it. What's that? I didn't get any money from it. You didn't get money money for that Whoa. one because we had we had the suspension on our uh, creator fund. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah. That, so, we don't need to talk about why. <laughs> <laughs> you did that. You would think with my mouth I would get us suspended on TikTok. He did. He got us suspended on TikTok. They pulled the plug for a week, and I'm like, "What the hell?" Tell him. Tell him what you did. Okay, 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 okay. Tell him what you did. We were on a live stream, okay. right? And someone asked him, you know, what's your opinion on the LGBTQ plus community? Already, I'm trying to like lighten the mood. You know, we're gonna try and like dodge. Because I did, I'd never heard what it say plus at the end. I knew what LGBTQ was, of course, but yes. I didn't know. So I turned to him. We're we're doing a live yeah. broadcast, and I said, I don't understand what that is. What's LGBTQ? My, my first instinct is dodge the question. Like just get out of it, yeah. get out of the way. Eject. So I, Eject. So, <laughs> so I go to make a joke, and I say, you know, it's like LGBTQ, but it's you know, it's like gay premium. It's like. <laughs> Like gay premium gas. Plus. <laughs> and within like 30 seconds, the stream was pulled, and I went, What happened? How can we lock this up? You know, just... that goes back to what Larry and I talk about. We talk about this on the show, too. What the fuck happened to humor? That that joke right there was not mean spirited. It it's wasn't funny. like you're not saying all. He told that to die. his. You're just he saying, told that hey. to his gay friends. They all laughed. Everyone yeah, goes, yeah, that exactly. was funny. That's the problem. It's like most people will laugh at that kind of stuff, but you've got this minority who is determined to be offended about shit. I mean, between well, Larry and I, I mean, and this is a testament of true friendship. We will sit there and say horrible things. I mean, things that would make a PC person blush. Yeah. But he's a friend of mine, and we are tight. Our wives, they get together, and it's like that basically broke my rule about my friends. Like, you know, okay, let's have the wives get together because you know what happens? The two women fight that we can't go play anymore. Yeah, that's right, yeah. But anyway, I digress. Well, com comedy 
is the last stronghold, yeah. and they still attack it. Mm-hmm. But there are people that go, no, it's comedy, it's jokes. I'm just, and there's there's ten thousand comics that push the envelope every night, mm-hmm. and they don't care. Like it's comedy, dude. We're making fun, racial jokes, racial humor. Yes, my minority humor. We don't care. It's it's just jokes. Relax. Yeah, everyone gets made fun of. Yes, and the comics are really, in my opinion, the last stand. They're the last area that they don't they haven't squashed it that the political correctness hasn't been able to squash they've tried yeah they they sanctioned they hit Chappelle pretty hard yeah they they did Joe Rogan a couple times Mm -hmm. they cut but they haven't been able to squash it it's still there and people are still doing it yeah but they're yeah you're right they are trying hard but there's a lot of comics they used to do college campuses they won't touch them anymore well no they there's areas they can't there's yeah. no yeah they won't there's a lot of people that won't even go to the college campuses for speech anymore either right. they just won't do it but in i will tell you this i think that i have a pretty good finger on the pulse sort so to speak of i think the pendulum is swinging back the other way i think you're right on this i it's less like even right now we just said that lbgtq plus joke right here just yeah we were narrating it um, two years ago, mm-hmm. if I had posted that somewhere, it would have got pulled. Yeah, it won't today. They'll be like, hey, he's just telling a joke, and he's, he's referencing something. They won't even care. Thank it'll, God. it'll blow right over. But because the pendulum is swinging back the other way, you know, it, it wasn't like that before, but it is more like that now. And it's not the other thing I've noticed is is there. I want to say if I had to put a, a guess on it, ninety seven percent of gay people, ninety seven percent of LGBTQ community hate. The woke movement. Yeah. They're out there going, God, we just want to be, just treat us like everybody else. Well, right. we can't because you have the woke. I'm not part of that. I don't believe in that. I wish I wish they'd shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah. I've had people tell me that. I said, I'm gay, and I'm, I promise you I'm not aligning myself with those idiots. Yeah. Because the problem is, is that it's one thing to say... Whatever, whatever your your minority situation or whatever your uh, uh, sexuality is, it doesn't matter. It's one thing to say, I want to be accepted... Fine, but it's quite another thing to say. I want to be accepted, and I want to be put to the front of the line. Yeah. I want special treatment. Exactly. Now, now that's where you get me. I don't really want. You can't force me to let you to the front of the line because right. you're special. I'm not going to call you special name. I'm not doing it. I just, if you want to be accepted as a regular person, fine. Just do. Good, we're all we're doing. We're all we're all regular people doing regular things. You, me, them. It doesn't yeah. matter. I don't care if you're black or white or you're gay or trans. I don't care if you're a man or a woman. We're all regular people doing regular shit until you want special treatment. Yeah. Now I'm not okay with that. You know, I used to tell people when, you know, we go through this, I'd say, look, I'm going to make this really easy for you. I go by the golden rule. It's worked for thousands of years. Treat people how you want to be treated. Yeah. Simple as that. There's nothing complicated in that. How do you want to be treated? If you want to be done right by, yep. then you do right by other people. That's it. There's no special names. There's no, no. I, I do this or that. It's just basically courteous and polite. Be decent. Yep. Don't be an ass. Don't right. be a douche canoe. Right. And move on with your life. He sounds there- just like me. <laughs> <laughs> I literally I said that exact same thing all the time. I like, touched on something the other day that kind of caught fire. It was... Um, it was uh, I was talking about the whole all the movements of today, yeah, and all of the uh, and it goes back to Black Lives Matter and Antifa mm-hmm. and up to now the woke. But I said I I go for those of you listening or watching that were a little younger, you're not going to understand. This. So I'm going to explain it to you because I was there. Mm-hmm. 
it, by the time the 90s came around, nobody cared anymore. In the 90s, yeah. we were, I know you're always going to have incidents of racism and segregation. You're going to have pockets. When you find where there is, you fucking go squash it and you kill the dudes and get them the fuck out of there. But it was kind of gone. I remember in the 90s, nobody cared if you were gay or you were black. It wasn't like, ooh, that's the gay guy over there. Nobody cared. Right. Everybody had finally gone, all right, fuck it. Everybody just get along. Nobody cares what you're yep. doing. And somehow, between from the 90s to today, Mm -hmm. You guys have created the worst division I've ever seen. Don't say you're out there fixing it because I will tell you, I lived in this country in the 90s. It was way better then. Yeah. It was better then. You have fucked it up to whatever you've done now with, with division of Republicans and Democrats and right. blacks and whites. And in whatever divisions you've caused, you did this. Yeah. And all under the heading, I'm just speaking about it to make you aware. No, you're bringing it up and you're causing a problem. You've done it for so long now. Things are worse than yeah. they were in the 90s. You haven't fixed anything. Okay. We are both Gen Xers, so you will remember this. Mid to late 80s, even before that, you had the talk shows. Donahue, Geraldo, and all of them. Yeah. Remember every now and then you get the likes of Metzger, that crazy nut, yeah. and a couple other people. They'd be on the show. you have some of them in full clan regalia. You'd have skinheads. Yeah. And people didn't get their feelings hurt. They were shouted down, and they were basically told, it's like, you're a piece of crap. Yeah. Don't get around it. You can say, yeah. They sit there and say, well, we just want to do this, this, and this, and there's going to be a race war. And people would get up and say, you're full of crap. Yeah. And nobody was just like all triggered. They were like, oh my God, I can't watch this. They were just like, you're a piece of no, shit. And, and you watch the audience shit. Audience that had blacks and whites and Mexicans, yes. and they'd all stand up and go, you fuckers need to get off the stage. Right. None of us agree with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I was, yeah, 100% with that. But now, something as easy as just a person of conscience saying, I don't think you're right. Then it's all of a sudden you're a Nazi, you're a racist. Oh, you're, you're everything. Idiot, you're I get into so many arguments where they say, oh, yeah. you're a racist, and I go, I don't care that you say that. <gasps> you don't care that I called you a racist? I go, the word has no meaning anymore. Right. You told me I was racist by how I was eating my Cheerios one day. You told me I was racist by which way I was looking out my window. Who cares anymore? You've used, you've, you've ruined the word racist. It has. When I was a kid, if someone called you racist, that was shocking. Oh, yeah. Now you've ruined it. You've ruined the word. I mean, it doesn't mean anything. You've taken away because you you used it for everything that you can see. Exactly. Everything I, you look at, you you guys can twist anything. You could take this blue container, and if you think about it long enough, you can find a way to prove to me that this blue container is racist by who made it, where it's built, the insignia. On, you'll do something. No, no. It is representative of white privilege. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Because the poor black man couldn't have a blue container, so I have white privilege. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. For God's sakes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the, and the idea was, the argument was that I touched on was, you can't tell me you're making things better. You've, I can prove to you. You've only made it worse. Exactly. And that was the thing. It's just, I just, it irritates the shit out of me when people come at me and say, Morgan Freeman said it the best. I was just about to say. Morgan Freeman said, you want to stop uh, racism? Quit talking about it. Exactly. Quit bringing it up. It's all you do. Well, we, I, I, I got into an argument live one time with a guy on a broadcast and he goes, you have to talk about racism. I'm just talking about it to make people aware. I go, really? So there's, there's actually people that don't know about racism? There's somebody left on the planet that's never heard the right. word. There's somebody out there that's going to go, oh, my God, what is this racism you're speaking about? 
Everybody already fucking knows. Everybody knows. Shut up. You're not. You're not doing. You say yeah. you're doing it to educate people. No, to make not. people aware. Everybody fucking knows. Shut up. You nah, can't say it's that. A method of. Mo- it's kind of like putting themselves in a position of moral superiority. Yeah. I'm better than you because I'm not racist. I accept everyone, and they're the worst ones. I like telling people like, well, you should go tell people about breathing. People may not know to breathe. Oh, yeah. You better make people aware. Breathing is important, and just walk around, and you may find some. Someone who didn't know they were supposed to breathe. You never know. Yeah. Could be sitting there holding their breath because God knows that's important. How do we get off on this fucking topic? I where, don't know. Where did we go? Let's drink let, and let, start. Let, let's steer. Let's, let's drink, drink and more. start over again. Yeah. Hey, the solution's at the bottom of the glass. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said the thing. He said the thing. No, he didn't. What did he say? Turn your camera on. Oh, no, he said solution. Yeah, he said the solution. Ah. Hey, Does the bottom of enough. your glass close say enough. solution? It know. says truth. Ah, true. You know I didn't oh, write. Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> I. I. Now well, he's not wrong. Tracking. We we can solve the mysteries of the universe <laughs> after we get to the truth. We we will find some solutions. Yes. For God's sakes. All right. Was there another picture I was going to show her that I kind of ran through my shit with uh, him yeah, on I think that? You got one more. What's the one more? What was one more in there? Do, 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 um, yeah. So what? I got a question. So okay. <laughs> you go from the cigar <laughs> shop and you go to his printing shop mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i find this where you it looks like you just said fuck it i'm doing shit from my kitchen fuck those guys i'm gonna <laughs> i gotta i'm you know what i'm done with this shit we're just gonna do it in my kitchen turn the camera on and go man go that's what that's what i thought okay this was in the infancy of the podcast now where greg and i were hanging out that is the balcony on my house oh hold on for the people that are listening to the audio portion i put up a picture on the screen of scotty in his kitchen doing some sort of alcohol cigar podcast looking thing that's the picture on the screen right now very very at home very domestic yes you're no, you're no longer in a studio <laughs> you you have been so go ahead tell uh, us how you ended kitchen. up there in the kitchen so it's let me just go okay i'll give, give some background too but anyway where we were at the, at the uh, first part of that was we were on my balcony that it sits off my office and then i said okay we're going to do a clip now, what I was doing in that picture was making a caparena. It's a Brazilian drink. Yeah. Now, I fell in love with caparena as a friend of ours who's Brazilian. She introduced me to them. And it is with this rum, and I will not pronounce it right for to save my life, chisasa. I, I can't pronounce it right, but it's like lime, simple syrup, um, chisasa, the, the rum. You yeah. know, all muddled together, a little ice and a little soda and lime inside, and it's a caparena. So, our second episode entitled Two Queens and a Pullout was when <laughs> we went to Colorado the first time for a cigar event. The Rocky I'm hoping Mountain. you're talking about a hotel room. Oh, I'll get to that part. <laughs> I will get there. So, we get over to the festival. It's over at the Omni in Broomfield, Colorado. And we're waiting for our room. Now, I wanted a drink. Now, I've just had this thing about Caparinas. I've had them in Vegas over at um, the Fuente Lounge over in Caesars, and they make a great Caparina. So I go over to the bartender. It's like, hey, I'd like a Caparina. Looked at me like I asked them the square root of something. <laughs> they looked confused. Don't they have computers that tell them how to make shit now? Come on. 
The guy looked at you me. Can't, you can't have a deer in the headlights look when you're a bartender and someone asks you for a drink. Uh, maybe that's just me. I'm just, no, I don't know. This fucking eighth grader, <laughs> look, he looks at the he looks at the speed well like it's going to magic, like the bottles are going to magically levitate and tell him what to make. And I'm just like, oh, the fuck? I was like, I'll make this easy for you. Just a Jack and Coke. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised you didn't just Let me get around the backside of here. Let, move out of the way. Just yeah. slide over. Just give me a minute. So, the whole two queens to the pullout deal. So I reserved a room a couple of months prior and what I was looking for was of course two queen beds and a pullout couch. Yeah. So okay Mr. Robinson we're setting up your room so we go to the bar and this is where this came comes in. So then okay Mr. Robinson the room is ready. Greg, Larry and I go up to the room. It is one king bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this will not work. This is not an episode of the Three Stooges. I was going to just say, hey, I've seen it work on the Three Stooges. It kind of yeah. worked in Willy Wonka. They had four couples living in that bed, remember? Yeah. Come no. on now. No, no, no. So I go downstairs. <laughs> Greg and Larry being the pussies that they are, I go towards the front <laughs> desk. They fear off over to the business section. Oh, they're like, they're just going to let gonna you be, handle this, huh? They're like, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> so I go and I'm speaking with the... Um, person and then i say the word and larry's like oh fuck we're gonna need to call our pal for bit you know to get him bailed out and i said and i quote when she said well i'm sorry everything is still i said this is unacceptable in civilized speak that's like it's on yeah oh yeah if you if you you can get further with correct language yes and a calm tone where you got to stare like you know you let them know this ain't going to fly, but you don't say it that way. Yeah, it wasn't like I was Samuel Jackson Pulp Fiction saying, Say what again? <laughs> say what again? <laughs> Do they speak English in what? <laughs> so she finds oh. us a room with two queens and a pullout. <laughs> so that was the end of the story. But anyway, the whole Caparina thing came from the Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival because all throughout freaking Colorado, can you make a Caparina? I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's what you do is you're going to have to print out a little business card with the ingredients yes. of the thing and say, look, man, can you read? <laughs> if you can read, we good. Dude, you're a freaking idea, man. I could get Larry to make those. It's like, <laughs> can you make a Caparena? Here. As long as you can read, you're yeah. okay. I know you have limes. I know you have simple syrup. The rum, well, you can make a Caparushka. You use vodka instead of um, the Brazilian rum. <clears throat> and you have Grand Marnier. Put a little Grand Marnier float on top. But yeah, so we decided to do a video <coughs> of me creating the Caparena. So that is what that long drawn out story. Of so why that's why you in your kitchen is doing yes. something like that. You, Wow, you really got dedicated to that one drink. I did. When I scrolled through that, I thought I told the kid, I go, look, he finally told his partners to fuck <laughs> up. He finally said, look, no more white people on my program. I'm going to do it my goddamn self in my kitchen. I don't need you. <laughs> you might need the gorilla, though, to help you with some stuff. <laughs> That's what I thought. I thought I know my mind wanders with that shit. When I see a picture, hey. just like, I'm telling you all the ones of you. I love with, it, though. With but the, that shows you research with much respect that you actually pulled that through. I was like, oh, shit, yeah, there was that one. And you notice, I want you to notice something about that. What's my that? big grape ape ass sitting there making this drink. Yeah. And you see how low that counter is? There's yeah. a reason why that counter is as low as it is. Not to, you know. Because you're, cause you're like seven foot four, dude. Six five. <laughs> my wife is five two. 
Wow. Yeah. So my third wife, who I call affectionately tiny wife, she's five foot two. Best thing ever. (laughs) She could help you with your belt buckle. You know, you're right there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to move on. I'm trying to go past it. (laughs) She was a marksman in college. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, put that picture back up. I just noticed something on that. Okay. You, 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 uh, what's, uh, what's the dude's name? Harvey from Family Feud. The, the, Steve the, Harvey. Steve, Steve Harvey, yeah. You look like Steve Harvey with the black mustache right there. You look like <laughs> Steve Harvey. You, you look like was right that Sans goatee? Yeah, probably. I'm was. just saying, you do it. I just noticed it right now. Yeah. The picture on the screen, you look like Steve Harvey. I'm like, hey, <laughs> the look, worst. hey, hey, Scotty, Steve Harvey's in your kitchen. He's making a drink. <laughs> the worst thing I ever did, according to Tiny Wife, was one day I said, Okay, and this is a running joke on the podcast, too. I decided, okay, I'm shaving all. I was like, what was I had a beard at the time, so I decided to shower. No, I had to go tea, and I shaved everything off because I was going to go full beard, which I did. So in 19, right after I got my black belt and we went on a cruise, I said, okay, I am going to grow a full beard again. And we had a big New Year's blowout for 1920. And I remember thinking to myself, for 1920, you weren't alive in 1920. 2020, Jesus Christ! What <laughs> you is said wrong 1920. I'm like, okay, yeah. we can stretch some stories here, 2019, but 2019. <laughs> but people, people are not going to drink enough to believe that you were around in 1920. I'm sorry. You no, know, you would be right. <laughs> I, I look youthful, but I'm not yeah, that youthful. Yeah, sorry. All right. So I'm thinking 2020 is gonna be awesome. <laughs> So the big joke is, it's like, you fucked us up in 2020 when you grew that beard. It's kind of like the equivalent of the cursed Tiki and the Brady Bunch. Yeah. All I could hear is that fucking song. That's right. Yeah. yeah it was my freaking fault. I'm, I'm like old old lady. Uh, what was her name? The the um, the cow that kicked the lantern over and caused a great Chicago, Chicago fire. fire. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was my well, beard. The good news is, is that myself. And probably half of America, we were looking for who to blame. Now we know. Yeah, it was we, my fault. We did not know that. I Now I know who to be angry at. Not only Ooh. did I fuck up the guest spot on the Gen X Talks podcast, <laughs> I created COVID. I did it. It wasn't the Chinese. No, I the, didn't I didn't even know. Now I have had beard. pent up anger for years. Now yeah. I know where to... Oh, thank God I can yeah, release some no, of that. Xi Jinping's fault. No. <laughs> it's not Fauci's fault. No. It's my fault. It's Steve Harvey's fault. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that brings me to sunny point number two, and this is where I put okay. you on the goddamn spot. Alright. This is where the spotlight goes on you, and the camera start rolling, and I see my finger here. This is when I get serious, my man. Alright. That's right. I just little... mamand you. When I did, when I mamand you, you know I'm serious. So if, the, if, uh, if you're podcast with Gen X Talks was uh, uh, so highly rated by your fans, and you talk about it so uh, frequently with uh, affection, how come you've never asked me back? You know, funny story there. (laughs) Because if you've listened to the recent podcast and our conversations, in fact, the last podcast, I talked about being on the show and say, we got to bring that dude back. Oh, yeah. Now, now you do. We talked about it. We always talked about it. We've talked about that. I was like, oh, yeah, we got to get Gen X dad back. I said, oh, hell yeah. Look, I'll pay the 50 bucks to be on the show. You're a fake fan. You're a fake fan, Dad. You're not listening (laughs) to the podcast. I am a fan. Hey, I got my wife to listen to the Friday podcast. We were on our way to Napa one time. I said, I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to, Gen- I want you to, listen to the general and his wife. And by the 
end of the first episode, she's like, I really like this. She's <laughs> See, laughing He's a real off. fan. He's a real fan of our podcast. You're a fake fan of his. I'm not a fake fan of <laughs> wow. his. Wow. Way to return the favor. You ask him on, you ask him on the podcast. Is he not and you're here a fake in fan. studio? But you didn't even know he was talking about you in the recent hey, podcast. I always said, I said, putting you and Larry in the same fucking room is like putting two Teddy Ruxpins in there and just, <laughs> and just letting you have at there, it. I will tell you that when, they, when I did the guest spot on your show, I there was a lot of times where he said stuff and I went, I would have said that. I would have said yeah. that. Oh, he got to that before I got to that. I mean, it was very similar. Oh, yeah. Yes, I drink with Larry. Greg's not a big drinker, so if you notice on a podcast, Larry and I are usually drinking. Greg will have like his little sippy cup of something, you know. If like if it's like a um, one of our favorite um, distilleries, yeah, out of Colorado, he'll have a little spot of that, but. Other than that, he'll have his iced tea or his root beer and his his, his his foofy drink. And it's just like, I bring the crystal glasses out. Larry and I are just sitting there drinking. <laughs> just like, eh, fuck it. You know? And Larry's wife. Let me tell you about Larry's wife. Sherry is no joke. I will not ever try to outdrink her. She can drink me under the table. Uh, and you I found can, a girl that can drink you under the table. And I can keep up with Irish dock workers. Yeah, and not her. Wow. Oh, no. Baby girl pre-games on, like, she pre-games. It's like <laughs> my wife and her get together because basically Larry and I kind of give up and say, we leave it to the social director. So my wife will call me and say, well, honey, um, I talked to Sherry and we're going to go for pizza tonight at Loomis Basin. Okay, sounds good. I asked Larry, do you know about this? No, I'll find, about, I'll find out about it when I get home. Yeah, you just get told where to be and what time and you show up. Oh, yeah. yeah. When Sherry, come, Sherry and Larry come to our house. They got a cooler. <laughs> Sherry's got a whole bunch of ale, bottles of ale in there, Sierra Nevada. And she's just, <laughs> and she pre-gamed. It's like, hey, in the, the morning of, hey, what's Sherry up to? Oh, Sherry's pre-gaming. She's drinking her mimosas. Or, hey, I found this really cool mimosa drink. So. Well, speaking of drinking with friends, uh-huh. I'm not sure if you're going to be happy that I'm bringing this up or you're going to find a way to be pissed. No, no. Well, I'm going to go for it anyway. Go for it. All right. What do you do on January 27th? January 27th, I have no clue what it's I'm It's like doing a Saturday, January. I think. Huh? I think it's like a Saturday. I have no clue. What am I doing January 27th? Well, there's an opportunity... Mm-hmm. Well, we this is the third time. This is the third annual. We go to the Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas off the Strip, ah. and we rent out one of their big bowling alley lanes. And they have uh, they have alcohol. We got food, and it's just for Gen X Talks fans, the good fans, the people that. And it's kind of fun because everybody shows up like, oh, you're that name. They could put faces with names in the comment. They've all been talking to each other for years. Okay. We hang out. Everybody has drinks. We talk food. We take pictures. They um, they have two hostesses and a bartender there for us. Okay. And it's it's just once a year. And we stay there for like three days because just not only is there that one main event, mm-hmm. but everybody kind of gets together with phone numbers. Like, hey, they all went go kart racing. Oh, you know, during sweet. the day they all went to do That's this thing. Fun. There was a gr- group of them that went to do that. They all just kind of informally go, hey, we should all go. And then you say it. I say, well, there's a group of people going here. If you guys want to be part of it, here's the email. Yeah. Then they they hang out but then the big event we go and gen x talk staff shows up we get them from all over the country in there oh, wow. there's people that have already bought their plane tickets and already paid for their rooms and said i am going okay they're already there that means they're already on their way so if you had a chance even if you just came out for the night yeah and stayed just for that 
it would be worth it because there's, especially from when I was on your podcast, yeah. the people went and saw it. Yeah, and he, then now that you're going to be on this one, people go, I know who Scotty is. When you show up, there'll be a ton of people who go, I know exactly who you are. Nice. And it's, 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 it's a fun time. And I'm telling you, the caliber of people that watch the program and then decide to take their, their time, their energy and their money to go. Yeah. They're just like us. Oh, right. There's on. not assholes that show up. They're not going to spend money to go do this and then be a dick. Exactly. They show up because they go, man, I just want three days where I can hang around with people that think like me and talk like me. I want to get drunk. I want to run around half naked and I want to be, I just want to be <laughs> amongst people that are my friends. Right on. And strangers become friends every year there. I and freaking love that. It's it, just letting you know it's a gig. Okay. Um, and if you want a ticket, you got to buy the ticket to the Bill Cosby. If oh, you want yes. to get the ticket, you got to buy the ticket. So my son got the ticket to the Eddie Murphy show. <laughs> <laughs> if you want a ticket, you just got to talk to my wife on your way out and she'll make sure you get one. Okay. Groovy. And then uh, I'm just letting you know. Yeah. Let yeah. me figure out what my schedule is. That's a possibility. I want to talk to the guys. I should have just called Tiny Wife <laughs> and yeah. said, have him show up on this day. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Well, see, you've caught me at a fortuitous time. Well, that's that's wonderful. I know what I know what the f word fortuitous means because even though I'm a three dollar guy and that is most certainly a twelve dollar word, I had it explained to me. <laughs> because back in March of this year, because as I stayed on the podcast, it ain't exactly been black boy year. So back in March, my company of twenty nine years decides to shit can a whole bunch of people, and I ended up in the shit can. What? Oh yeah, I got the axe. I technically got to retire, but so between the the, the 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 meal we shared together and today, you got you got no canned. no I was shit canned then oh were you yeah because that was back in May oh is that how you were able to come on a weekday yes exactly <laughs> which is why I still be able to come on a weekday so you know I get shit God I'm an insensitive ass I didn't mean to bring it up like that dude no 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 you have not listened to the podcast because this is tame compared to the weekend after I got the axe I went to dinner with Larry Sherry um my my uh, wife's Brazilian friend and her husband. We all got together to drink, and the jokes that flew about my unemployment, <laughs> it was so bad that Larry's wife, Sherry, was like, I don't know if we should have said those things. You think he's okay? You, you, I mean, someone probably thought you're going to need therapy after that if it was that bad. Honestly, That's tough. I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to be perfectly candid and honest on this podcast because I think it's important. All right. I did. I was a fucking wreck. 29 years with the same company. I have not, never, not worked since I was 14. I got You take it personal, don't you? I mean, it's, you can't not. Personal. You can't not. I People mean, say, I, well, you got paid that whole time. Yeah. You were, you know, the, don't, don't get all emotional. You were there, but you got paid. You had a job. They paid you. They fulfilled their part of this relationship. You're like, it's personal, man. It's very personal yeah. to the point where... My wife, um, last year, or actually the year before, like around November, she found her birth mom because my wife was adopted. So through 23andMe, one of the relatives reached out to her and said, hey, I think, you know, this, my grandmother might be your mother, turned out being the case. So we went and visited February of this year. And... I was, you know, gonna, hey, I'm calling vacation. I'm gonna go on vacation. My counterpart was going to Europe. So 
it's like, okay, well, who's going to do the work? Because there's no one else to do work but her or me. And I said, look. Now, remind me what type of job you did because it was. I do telecommunications. I was going to say it was a production deal of some sort. Yeah, I'm a project man. I was a project manager in telecom. And I said, okay, fine. I will work the vacation a couple of hours a day. So I wound up working like four or five hours a day for three quarters of my vacation. I get back that week and that Friday my boss calls me and tells me, you are one of the people we're laying off. And I'm just like, wow, I got so... Now, when I look back on it now, but at the time I'm like, I am so That's fucked. a big hit in your life and on many levels, not just financial, mm-hmm. but it's an emotional. And plus that was your routine. Yeah. You've been doing that routine for 29 years. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care what people say when they're like, well, it's no big deal. You you fulfilled your oh, part. They fulfilled the bullshit. It's a big fucking it's deal. It's a big deal. I mean, the worst part for me, because, you know, my father stays with me. I brought him to the house because he, you know, the plan was always for him to retire with us because he has nobody else. And then he got into an accident a few years ago. So we went to Iowa to bring him back. So yeah. he got a rod in his leg because he got hit by a car. So the hardest thing was, is five minutes after I get this call, my wife comes and visits me because she works from home too. So yeah. she goes out of her home office to come to my home office <laughs> with that cute little happy face of hers. And I was just like, I have to tell this woman that I just got shit canned. And then I was telling her and she just like, and that's a beautiful woman. She looked at me and says, you were there for me when I lost my job. We will get through this. It's okay. And I said, how do I even face my What is her name? Sue. Sue? There couldn't be a better thing for a woman to say to support her guy than what you just did. And there's too many women that don't. So I'm drinking this one to you, Sue, right now. Amen. My man. To tiny wife. And I told her, I said, how do I, and I'm 53, 54 years old. How do I look my father in the eye and say I lost my job? I mean, that doesn't fucking But you change. didn't lose it because of something right. you did. Come on, man. But you still feel I know, like that. I know, but it's and like. It took me two days to face him. Now, my father, <laughs> it's like I said, I don't know if you know, if you've heard the rumblings in the house, man, but yeah, I got laid off. And my father looks and just says, in total, my father has a deep, raspy voice and kind of mumbles a little bit. So he's just like, wow, ain't that a bitch? (laughs) Ain't that a bitch? Damn, And then just walks all like. (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, that's some shit, man. (laughs) It was just, I was just like relieved in a way. But then I'm just kind of like, okay, so what do I do now? So I've been doing Mad Dash to look for work. Now I'm happy to report. Last week, I got a job offer from a telecom concern making about 30% more than what I was making. Good. The let company. them know you need January 27th off. Just Absolutely. let them know. That's a important thing. So I was just like, so yeah, it's fortuitous that you mentioned this because it's, it's like when I when you reached out to me, it's like, I got to reach out to the general because, yeah, I want to do the show. And it was like, hey, this works out perfectly because I only have this week, next week, and I start on the 27th, so my weekdays are going to be with work. Yeah. But back to what I was going to and what we were talking about, losing your job at that stage, especially in our generation, because our generation, the dream, quote unquote, the average dream was, I go to school, go to college or learn a trade. I work, if it's corporate, work middle management, 
make enough money. I can go on a couple of trips, live my life, save enough money, retire and die at the same company for 20, 30 years. This is the promise that was made to us, quote, unquote. And then we get slammed with this. So I'm facing this. And honestly, there was a show you did once about suicide. And I was just like, I put it this way, and I don't want to freak anybody out who listens to this, but I had about a 20 second thought about eating a bullet from my gun, about 20 seconds, because I was just like... They're real moments, man, and people don't... That was episode 30 on a podcast, and I probably have more emails and phone calls and messages about that episode. Yeah. I don't even... You know what? I'll tell you the truth about that. Mm -hmm. That... I turned, it's not a video podcast, Right, it's just audio, but I remember sitting by myself, I was the only one home, Mm -hmm. and I said, well, I need to record something, because usually at that point, the kid and I were recording stuff together. Mm -hmm. Those early episodes were my son and I, and nobody was home, I said, oh, we got to put out a podcast, and I remember a song came on, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was, uh, it was, was, uh, God, what was the name of it now? It's by Boston, Amanda, no, not Amanda. I can't remember now. It was a song that came on by Boston, and it took me back in time, and I started having some of those feelings of anxiety and of suicide. No, I, you know, just a, fe- a fleeting. Yeah. It passed, but I remembered. I thought, oh shit, I remember that time in my life, and yeah. I started talking on the podcast. Yeah, and I just it was un. If you notice, it's unedited. Yeah. I just went all the way I through from beginning to end, and I pressed stop, and I went, oh shit, should I post that? Because I, I yeah. touched about how real those things can be. Yeah. You know, and it, for my, mine lasted, usually lasted 20 seconds. Yeah. Okay, mine lasted 12 years. Yeah. I had 12 years of waking up at 3.30 in the morning and just laying there grabbing the bed going, don't move, just wait. It'll pass in an hour or so. And just don't get out of I bed. I remember if you talking about that. You don't that, get yeah. out of bed, you can't fuck up. Right. So just stay here and deal with it every day for 12 years. Oh, and it man. finally started to go away. Uh, it didn't just stop. It went away a little bit at a time. Right. until finally, Like right now, if I have any kind of a weird thought like that, it's like you say, 20 seconds, when you're like, oh, shit, this sucks, you know, fuck it. And then it goes away. Yeah, I put it to you this way. One of the reasons why... And it's maybe an exaggeration. It might have been a little longer when I actually thought no, I, about I, it. I, I, I took your meeting. I thought about it, and it's just kind of like if I went through with it, a lot of my friends are cops, first responders, and such. And I'm like, yeah, doing that, I won't be responsible for putting that in someone's head. And so, as you said, and you said it beautifully, you said, I thought about it, and then who's going to find me? And again, yeah. even if it's not your significant other or your children, it's somebody who's got that image in their head. Yep. I talk to, you know, I talk to people and, you know, including vets. And I have a friend of mine who I drink with, crazy Irish son of a bitch. He was a nom, chopper pilot and a grunt. And he said he still wakes up with fucking night terrors. I can't imagine some of the stuff that soldiers that have been in actual combat have gone through. I couldn't. I have nightmares of things that I have watched happen when I spent some time with Hell's Angels in in a club for a few years. Yeah, and that that's nothing compared to combat. Nothing at all. Exactly. I can't imagine that, that even living that way. As a veteran, I couldn't. I couldn't. I can't. I. Exactly. I would never be able to pretend that I have an inkling of what they go through. I can't imagine. Exactly. Yeah. Much respect. Toast to them. 
Toast to them right now, raising that glass. Absolutely. So, yeah. And, you know, my point to all this is when I was in that real fucking dark place and it was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm a loser. I fucked my life up. And it's none of this is true, but this is what you're thinking. Yeah. And it's like, I came to a point where it's like, I need fucking help. Picked up the phone, called, you know, called Kaiser and just said, hey, I'm in trouble. I need to talk to somebody. And I'm going to say this to whoever's listening. Brother, sister, you're not fucking alone. There's no shame for asking for help. It's just, you know, when I went to my therapist, it's like we tackled a lot of ugly shit. Right. Because it was not only this, but some other ugly shit. And that I had to deal with coming up, you know, the shit that I face. And then this, you know, cumulative on that. Right. And fought through it. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, when she, you know, she was telling me, she says, okay, take this opportunity. Figure out what you want to do. It's like you're doing everything right. Because we all think, you know, when we get laid off, okay, I'm going to dedicate eight hours a day. This is my job looking yeah. for a job. Can't do it. Doesn't work. You do a few hours or whatever, and I was always on edge. It's like but I looking for a like job a yeah. is a full, can be a full-time job. You exactly. can't just sit. Right. And you got to do something. Like, yeah, you got to do something, and I'm all over the place. It's like, I got to find work, and then you go through the whole, and the process now. Again, being a Gen Xer, it used to be. You fill in the application, someone will call you, you go talk to a real person. Oh, yeah. Now, you basically fill out something online, it goes through a bot, your resume goes through a bot, if you have yeah. the happy little words, You they don't say, get to talk to anybody. Right. If you're lucky, you'll talk to somebody. And then, what happened to me more than once, like three or four times, it was, man, we really like you, you are great, you've got so much experience, but we're hiring internally. Yeah. Thank you for playing. Here's some Z-Brick yeah. and rice <laughs> Well, two things come to mind yeah. from your topic there. One was, um, if you, uh, w you, we do a lot of live streams. Yeah. It's different than doing a podcast because you have people interacting with you all the time. Like I mentioned, mm -hmm. I have a team of people that will pull comments out and put them on this screen over here so I can yeah. see what we call the sheets. But inevitably, someone will come into the live stream, will mm -hmm. come into the comments and go, I don't want to live anymore. Oh, I'm done. Oh, and there's, it's a very, when that first happened to me and I saw it go through, mm -hmm. I didn't have any moderators really at the time. Right. This is way back when. And I saw the guy and he kept saying it. Mm -hmm. No one was acknowledging him. Yeah. And I had to stop and I said, okay, look, man, you're talking about this. I said, all right, what's your gig? What are you doing? And I sat there and I addressed him as best as I could. Yeah. And I had to look, there's two things that we, and now here, we have a guy named Two Bear who's on staff. He's yeah. one of my, he's great, great, one of the best senior staff guys you can have. Okay. When people come in there, that motherfucker is with phone numbers. Right. Give you my phone number, give me your email, let me call you, let me contact you. Here's a phone number. Here, what city do you live in? I will call someone in that city to contact you. Yeah. He fucking, whatever, this various things, he gets after. He didn't let someone go. Right. He takes that shit seriously. What I do, and I haven't done it as much recently, but back in the day when, when you communicate with somebody mm -hmm. during a live stream, let's face it, it brings the whole mood of the live stream down. Oh, yeah. I have to find a way as a host to genuinely speak to this person as best as I can Yeah. and then find a way to quickly trans transition back to smiles Yeah. and happy and carrying on. And I found that is extremely difficult. Yeah. And I will never not try to do it. 
I will never Amen. say, well, I'm skipping over that motherfucker because it's going to be way who do. I'm not bringing the show down. Yeah. I, people will leave. People are going to leave the program. And then I won't have, well, how do you bring the mood back up? I don't care. Right. I don't care if everybody leaves and I'm just talking with, it hasn't happened in a while, but for the first two years, it happened all the time. Yeah. And I didn't, I said, and I tell people, I say, listen, if I talk to them, I say, I'm not trying to push you to the side here, but this isn't a self-help you know, type of live stream. Right. I said, I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm totally listening to you. I'm sensitive. We talked for 20 minutes of an hour show. Yeah. But you know what? You, you're kind of okay now. We're talking. We kind of pulled you up a little bit. So here's some numbers. Here's what you do. And then let's get back to the program. Right. But I'm never, I would never just not respond. And they happen. I would never not say something. And Two Bear jumps in there. His name's John. He and yeah. he will fucking make it his life's ambition. Cause like you say, it's it hits you. Yeah. And it's real. Yeah. And it's it's he ain't fucking around. And while we're all going on with our life and we can hit turn off the program, that dude's still where right where you exactly. left. Exactly. And it's a big deal. Yeah, and sometimes I think people just want to know they're not alone, especially now. It's like, you know, the whole social media thing, and I feel like I'm on a soapbox, but, you know, you have 500 Facebook friends, but how many friends do you have really? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and Larry and I have a joke, and it's what something Larry says. It's like, and this qualifies for Larry and Greg. If one of those motherfuckers called me at 2 a.m. and said, meet me in front of my house with a shovel, duct tape, trash bags, and unlicensed <laughs> firearm, I'm going to be like, you want snacks too? Yeah, and I'm there. Yeah. What's that other line? Whose car are we taking? Exactly. <laughs> well, the it's it's when I talk to you a little bit about the bottom of the glass nation. Yes. Um, you know, the kid has developed 2.6 million uh, followers or viewers on all his platforms, but we probably have a thousand bottom of the glass nation members that I bet between staff and myself we could tell you. 800 of their names. That's how often they're there. That's how the events they come to. Mm -hmm. When we have something we need help with financially to do something, they're the guys who step up and do it. They okay. come right there. They're part wow. of the program. Uh, and, and there's some that are more at the top because they're always involved in right. every platform, in everything we do. But I mean, overall, there is a real bottom of the glass nation mm -hmm. that we all, some people drink coffee. I don't care if you hey, drink coffee. doesn't matter. We're drinking together. We're raising glasses. We're talking about stuff. Some of it's serious. Yeah. Some is just fucking around. But there is a core group of people out of 2.6 million. What is that? 0.00001%. It's, it's a very small number. <laughs> but they mean everything to us. That, yeah. that, that group means everything to us. Dude, that rocks. I it's, like that. It's a I big like fucking that a lot. deal. And I like it. I like being part of that. I like, you know, it, we, we, we talk. I, I read their comments and respond. I say shit, and they respond to me. So I res it's, a, it's not like really being at a bar. Yeah. But we're all drinking, and it's kind of like being at a virtual bar. We're all drinking and talking to each other. You get to say stuff, and so do I. Right. Josh Maddox is on staff. I love that kid. He's, he's one of the coolest cats I know. And he dubbed it. He goes, this is the best bar ever. He goes, this is absolutely a bar of a thousand people that come hang out and we all just talk, we get mad, we get angry, we cry about shit, yeah. we fuck around. It, it, he's right. It's, it, we made t-shirts, best bar, best period bar period ever period because of Josh. Because he's right. the beautiful thing. And see, that's what the cigar community is all about, and which is why I really got into this. Because basically... The Cigar Lounge is the great equalizer. It doesn't matter how much you spent on a cigar. Greg talked about this on the show. I mean, at one point, you could be sitting next to a millionaire, 
uh, project manager, yeah. uh, you know, low level. Or if some you dude call who it. walked in with his last 10 bucks and bought a cigar. Oh, we actually smoke with a full fledged schizophrenic. I mean, it, you get you. Just, I didn't know my wife smoked cigars. That's so random. I that is no, so, yeah, that's random that people. That I mean, was this a, guy. The, the person I'm speaking of was a diagnosed schizophrenic. Just he, hey, you know, hey, this one time, this one time, I well, smoked no, with a schizophrenic. Yeah, out but of just, nowhere. Wait, out of think nowhere. about hey kid. Think about how he got there. How would you know that? Because one minute the guy's talking about, my name is Bob and I work on cars. He takes two drags and goes, my name is Phil and I'm a pilot. You know, how did he determine? I want to know how he he determined he was a schizophrenic. Let me tell you why we knew. Hold on. I'm going to tell you right now why we knew he was a schizophrenic. He stapled carrots to the inside of his pockets. He got onto the phone. Okay, wait. How does that mean split yeah. personality? No, no, though? no, no. I'm not done yet. Okay, I'm sorry. Right. I do apologize. So, <laughs> he he was talking about in the lounge. He was talking about something about he thought his dogs were plotting against him. <laughs> Literally, and Greg <laughs> fucked up as he is. He says he gets on the phone. He says, "Yeah, okay, uh huh, got you. yeah. I'll tell him. I'll let him know. Okay, all right. Thanks. Bye." Hey, man, those were your dogs. They said, don't come home tonight. <laughs> he did not do that. Yeah, he walked Tell around. He did not no, do that. He did. He wa- the cat walked around, not naming names, with a soup can, and he drank coffee out of this old soup can. He was, and he even told us by his own admission, he is a diagnosed schizophrenic medicated. And we could tell when he wasn't on his medication. <laughs> we had another cat. One day, it's me. Another buddy of mine who's a um, financial planner and this other cat who's an engineer. And we were talking about ex-wives and bad divorces. And he says, you know, I have these really vivid dreams of murdering my ex-wife. I imagine I'm on the roof of something and she's walking into our house and I shoot her and I kill her. And... I wake myself up and I have to call her to make sure she's still alive. Wow. I'm sitting here like, I'm thinking about, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, my first one was a bit of a battle axe, but I mean, I, I'm not going. It's like, do you think you're talking to OJ? I'm not OJ. No. <laughs> I, we don't need to have common ground on this I, topic. I don't own a white Bronco. I don't have, my best friend lives in Tampa. He's not going to come to Orange County and be like, hey, this is Anthony. Scott's driving. He's got a gun. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'll tell you stupid stories as you're talking about the the phone call with the the. Um, I knew a I knew a lady that worked at the cable company back when I lived up in Oregon, mm-hmm. and I was having all sorts of issues, and, and it wasn't just problems. It was like neighborhood problems. And I finally called her. Said, "You're my friend. I don't bother you with this shit." But she goes, "I just come down." So she takes me back in the cable company, back to her office, and she's pretty. Pretty high up in the ranks. Yeah. And this one woman, her secretary, kept coming in saying, you got to take this call. It's this guy. She goes, I'm not talking that fucking lunatic. And all she said to me was, she goes, this guy calls the his cable company, and he he's something wrong with him. But he calls and screams at people, so no operators want to take care of him. So I said, all right, well, I get you. And then we start talking. The lady comes in again. She goes, no, you need to take this call. So she goes, all right. She goes, I'm going to put him on speaker. You just be quiet. I said, oh, I'll be quiet. So she puts this guy on speaker, and he is screaming, and he knows her. 
because they've had conversation. He goes, is this you, Carolyn? Is this you? He goes, yeah, it's Carolyn. It's a, what's going on now? You need to get out of here right now. I keep calling everybody, and no one will come out and take care of this. He goes, what's going on? I forget his name, Mr. Jones or whatever. What's going on? And she goes, there are little yellow men coming out of my wall, and they are from the cable company. You guys have done this. Your equipment has caused this. The, the things in the wall that you put in, little yellow men coming out, and if you don't get down here right now, I'm calling the sheriff. This is absolutely... I'm listening to this cat tell the story, and I'm being is. quiet. Okay. <laughs> she gets done. She goes, and Mr. Jones or whatever his name is, she goes, okay, Mr. Jones, did you say they were yellow? And he goes, yeah, little yellow men. She goes, yeah, um, the little men that work for us are green. You need to call the power company. <laughs> That's what she said. She told the guy that with a straight face. And then he goes, he, the guy said, I'm really sorry, Carolyn. I didn't know that. I apologize. Let me, I'll give them a call and hung up. <laughs> well, at least she didn't say the phone company. <laughs> That was absolutely a true story. This <laughs> fucking guy. Can you imagine being at the power company? The cable company already told me these little yellow men are yours, motherfuckers. They don't say they're not. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> I would not have thunk that. That's beautiful. I wouldn't have either. And she just, and she clicks and goes, okay, how can I help you? And I'm like, ah, who cares anymore? <laughs> that was absolutely brilliant. But, you know, you got to imagine when you're in a position like that where you're in yeah. charge and you deal with that shit, you do learn a few tricks of the trade. You yeah, have to. Yeah, you do. <laughs> hey, speaking about cigars, I always tell a joke because I, I am not a cigar aficionado, but I, I smoke Del Sol's. I don't think I got a newer one. Mine are probably a little dried. I'll still give you one if I got one, but right. it may be, it may come apart on you a little bit, but I always joke on, I love a Del Sol. My brother-in-law turned me on to those 15 okay. years ago. And, uh, and, and I, I talk about them as if I know, and I don't, I say, and it's this and it's that, and it's a real smooth draw. And I've heard stuff in movies, so I I, <laughs> I, I sound the part. It's an oily wrapper. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I learned some terminology because let me tell you, in here, as on all my live streams, um, I everything I say is made up. I've plagiarized everything I've ever said to anybody. I've stolen it from movies or TV or music. There was a plethora of stuff to rob from the 80s, and so it's easy to do. I haven't had an original thought in my head since 1973. <laughs> With that being said, All right. I tell people about the, the cigars when I have one. I say, these are Del Sol's, um, and I bought a box of them, and right on the side of the box, you know, it gives you the advertisement. One side of the box says, Sun Blessed which is a good thing. The other side says, hand-wrapped in the laps of virgins, which I thought was great for about the first couple of years I was saying that. Till my wife goes, she was drunk one night, she goes, is it girl virgins or guy virgins? See that look you got? That's what I did. I did that. I went, <laughs> I, did, I did that. I went, well, I, I assumed it. Now you fucked up my cigars. <laughs> she did that. She fucking... That she, was good. Out of nowhere, she goes, yeah, it, uh, didn't really say is it women or guys. And I went, plug, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> so I don't say it as often as I used to. <laughs> All right, if I got, I if I got a couple in there, I'll give you one take home with you. But, All right, sounds um, good. They just got a little bit of a... They got a very light, sweet vanilla wrap to them, and I, you know, f flavor, and I like yeah. it. It's just a, but it's my favorite cigar because I got stuck on that. And then my brother-in-law got me on another one. No, no, just tobacco flavor only was, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, so correct me, 
Lencianato, Lucianato, Luciano, Luciano. Yeah, he got me on the little yellow, little yellow label, yellow on the label. Yeah, I think though. Or he, did thinking Luciano's. Um, I'm. I might have one somewhere. Yeah, okay. But my wife got me a, a cigar band book, where you nice. you know you take it and yes. all the cigars you tried. It's like like sixty pages, and you take and you write what it is and how you felt about it. Where you got, oh. it. you know, you write it like a journal. You you glue yes, it. Yes, the cigar journal. Yeah, you you glue the band in there so yes. you can see it and you talk about it. It's got one in it for after 20 years. It's got one. It, Del Sol's my favorite. And then I closed the book and never put it. The You're my fucking spirit animal. <laughs> Greg came up with this idea when we went to, when we went together to Colorado the last time, which I think was last year. He said he got these books off Amazon and he put on the um, Beyond the Humidor um, seal and gave them to a couple of us. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a cigar journal. So, like, you know, when you smoke something, you can put the band on there and give your impressions and all of this. And I, I haven't. I mean, I used that not, to put notes in. Okay, look, we're not Dear Diary guys. Right. We don't go home at night and crawl, crawl up on the bed and go, Dear Diary, today, I, I never did that today, shit. Today, Biff asked me to the dance. That's and right. then after the dance, we went to the soda hop. Yeah. And then he talked about this. And I was on cloud I've never nine. been that guy. I've never journaled. I've never yes. diaried. I don't know. So when my wife, she goes, aren't you using your journal? Aren't you using your cigar journal? I went, all right. Give me a pen, and I glue the thing in, and I go, favorite cigar. Click, and I've never put another thing in since then. Yeah, Greg, I think Greg and our number one fan fill that thing out faithfully. Larry and I, it's just kind of like, I grab a cigar. The last thing I want to fucking do is do a homework assignment on my cigar. It's like, I want to cut it, light it, smoke it, sit back on my balcony yeah. in the lounge and go, <sighs> I'm not going to sit there and think about what I'm going to write when this experience yes. is over. All right, let me ask you this before we go, because we got to go. Away. All righty. What would it be if the kid ran the program and had you, myself, and Larry sitting here? How would that go? Oh, remember when I said two Teddy Rex spins in a Come room? Come on now. Oh, that would be the shit. Should we set that up? Should we try to do that? Should we pick a day and try to do that? I have a plan. Actually, Tiny Wife had this plan. Because when I told her I was doing this, she was kind of like, well, why don't you wait? And then when we can get Sherry and Larry and we go up there in the RV in the Hickory Bronze October and we come out and then just do the weekend, we have the RV and then you guys do the show. I say, oh, that will come in the future. But since I have the opportunity to do this now, I'm going to do hey, this look, now. Th when, we, yes. when we do stuff and wives come out, they hang out with my wife. Everybody oh, yeah. gets along great. Oh, your, your, no wife, your wife, my wife and Sherry will get along beautifully. See, then they just need to leave us alone unless yep. we need a little servicing out here and they can bring us some goddamn stuff. When we ring the bell, they come run. That's all we need from you, all right? Yeah, you know... Tiny wife is great, but <laughs> I don't know. She's, she she will give me that look of hers. It's just kind of like, you know, she knows why I'm displeased with her when I say, Suzanne, or I go, woman. <laughs> yeah. Then she we, knows I'm not happy. And then she just looks at me and just like, we do that with sure, my wife. Where I'll say so like, look, you know, if I want any lip from you, you know, I do, you do what I tell you. This whole thing, she gets to a point where she looks at me like, that's enough. You say one more fucking thing, I'm going to hurt you. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. I'm just fucking around. My wife just ignores me and just goes, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, oh, my whatever. wife plays along with it the whole yeah. way. We've been in restaurants with many people, and I'm like, I'll start a fight with her or something. I go, you know what? I can't wait to get home to divorce you. She goes, I can find somebody on, I can be, we can be divorced in half an hour. There's probably an online service. <laughs> 
with a credit card and a signature. We can be. I go look it up. Sign us up right now. Fuck it. Sign it. And, you know, we joke like that, but there's been people in the restaurant that go, "Oh shit!" They, they, they people, other people in the restaurant went home going, "I, I saw people get divorced today, <laughs> right in the restaurant. We, we were in Outback Steakhouse and people got divorced." Oh my! <laughs> All right, kids, you ready to switch cameras around? Let's listen. It has been a blast having you down here. Hey man, it's been great. I appreciate you making the drive. Absolutely. I appreciate you sitting. We, you know, we just we just got this thing going. Yeah. And I think you're the second in studio guest we've had. Right on. And uh, we just we got a bunch lined up and logistically, but I'm so glad you made the drive down here. So, uh, Scotty, say goodbye to everybody at home. All right, y'all take care. Good smoke. Good drink. Good life. That's what he's trying to tell you. If you guys don't know, that's Scotty from uh, Beyond the Humidor. You got to look up. We'll put a we'll put a link in the description. I was a guest on their show one time. Never was invited back because they don't like me. But I want to come back again. <laughs> but uh, it's a good program. If you guys, it, it doesn't have the following it deserves. I can promise you that. So if you want to check out some some casual conversation with three dudes who have a great time together, you can tell they're all really good friends because they get along. Thank you guys for tuning in. The audio portion of this will be up sooner. The video portion will be up later. Wherever you're going around this world, listening to us. AM, FM, Sirius XM, or perhaps you're listening to us on the Armed Service Radio Network. Remember two things, wherever you go, there you are, and I'll catch you guys on the flip side. <laughs>